Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts right now. It is Friday, September 6th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue... This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. We welcome back co-host of Humanity in the Headlines, David Seaton. And we welcome back one half of the Illinois political know-it-alls, Jacob Kaplan. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this In the Doghouse Friday. And here's why. Yeah, folks, I'm in the doghouse again. I'm always in the doghouse. Why can't I help myself, D? Huh? My own worst enemy. I'm in the doghouse. But before I tell you why I'm in the doghouse, I just have to share this uh, thought with you. All right? What? The Bears suck. <laughs> all right. Yesterday, I was like, all oh, on the Bear bandwagon. Uh, did you just play Mueller? That's correct. <laughs> Even Mueller agrees with me. All right. Now, look, yesterday, I was like, feeling that Bear thing. What did I say, D? I predicted they were going to win. I love the Bears. I love Bear down, Chicago Bears. And I showed my Chicago Sun-Times Bear pamphlet that came in at the home delivery with the paper. Home delivery every day, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you know, I was all feeling that. I, the, the, I was just feeling that Bear pride. And I rush home and I turn on the boob tube and I'm sitting back watching the Bear. One, two, three, punt. One, two, three, punt. One, two, three. I go, this is the worst offense I've ever seen. Right now, I'm going to say it. I'm gonna be, it's a political talk show. I'm going to make a pol- political statement. Colin Kaepernick should be the starting quarterback to the Chicago Bears. There, I said it, D. Colin Ka- In fact, bring Jim McMahon back, okay? Oh, yeah. The bring punky that old QB back. is better than this guy. Good God, that was wretched. Finally, I couldn't take it. I could not take it. I turned off the Bears game, put on Mindhunter. Yeah, I'd rather watch Psychos and uh, Mass Murderers. By the way, Netflix show, folks. It really takes the deep dive and some of the eerie, weird stuff. Anyway, I'd rather do that. Meanwhile, texts coming in from all my all my little Packer friends, including a certain son-in-law in the state of California. I won't name his name, except it rhymes with Ryan and begins with a B. Certain son, whoa, go Packer, go green and gold. <laughs> Oh, God dang. I love the guy to death, but he's a cheesehead and he loves the Packers. Then a certain so-and-so from the northwest side of Chicago named Kevin, but I never say his last name, uh, other than tell you it rhymes with Bam and begins with an L. For some reason, the guy lives in Chicago, but he still loves the Packers. I love the Packers. Anyway, folks, it's really rough being a Bear fan these days. (laughs) That was terrible. Absolutely terrible. 
but that's not what I really want to talk about today. Thank God. <laughs> this is a political show. Uh, although I probably will be talking some football with Romana's all fired up. Okay. She, she went to the Bears party that the Sun-Times had the other day, ate three hamburgers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chicago Bears. Uh, Sun-Times sponsored the Chicago Bears, so watch it. Oh, yeah, you're right. I love the Bears. Okay, go. there we go. <laughs> God, the bears suck. Anyway, uh, what I really want to talk about is the other trash-talking uh, text I've been getting from Lori Lightfoot fans uh, related to the last column I wrote in the Chicago Reader. We posted it on the uh, Facebook page. I know I posted it on my personal Facebook page. I'll post it now. Anyway, I, uh, I had a little issue uh, with Lori Lightfoot. And you know, if, if you listen to the show, I'm not really completely happy where Lori's going these days on budget matters, particularly the city's uh, TIF program. And I wasn't a huge fan of the speech that she gave last week. I've said it here on the show, and I uh, put that in print. Maybe I was a little snarky. Maybe I was a little wise guy. Anyway, you you judge for yourself. But immediately, I started getting uh, uh, feedback from Lori lovers telling me, are you ready for this, D? that there's something wrong with me, that I have a psychological imbalance, and I have a psychological need to attack whoever the mayor is. Wow, those were quotes? <laughs> well, no, more or less what they were saying. Ben, can't you just like a mayor for once in your life? And it's true. I uh, was a little hard on Rahm Emanuel. And I don't think calling them Lori Lightfoot lovers is really uh, you know, helping your cause. Uh, Lori fans, Lori supporters. Uh, and I was a little hard on Rahm, okay? I admit that, do you? I admit that. Uh, it's really hard not to admit that since there's a record of uh, all the columns I wrote over the years of a blasting rom. And I was a little hard on Daly. Okay, I admit that, D. I admit that. Uh, so it's true. But uh, I don't think I'm as hard on Lori as I am on Rom, as I was on Rom and Daly. I don't think Lori's as bad uh, as uh, Rom and Daly. And maybe it's true I have some issues with authority. You think that is? I have a psychological disposition to be like challenged authority. Is, is that my problem, D? I have many problems, but is that my problem? One of them. Yeah, or maybe it's this uh, this this nose operation I have. That's like really messed up my mind. Although that column was written before the surgery, so I can't blame the surgery. Oh, well, let's do an update here. Hold on, everybody. Let's get a look here. You're doing better, Ben. Yesterday you looked like. Uh, well, I think Dar said it best. Uh, you looked like the mummy. <laughs> Dar, There's God the update now. Dar, doing better. Dar. Looking good, Penny. Uh, yeah. Well, my uh, my wife. God bless her. I mean, uh, she is a great person. She got up early this morning before she went to work and took the big cluster of bandages off and put on a s smaller bed. So it looks a little better, but people still look at me. Good God, what happened to you, man? Anyway, I cannot, uh, um, I cannot blame the surgery because the column is written before the surgery. But here's, look, folks. I don't think I have a psychological uh, need to trash a mayor just by virtue of the fact that he or she is the mayor, okay? I'm just going to defend myself from that point of view. I have a psychological need to speak my mind, and if I disagree with the mayor, I'm going to disagree with the mayor, okay? I don't hold back, right? And in this particular case, my basic point with Lori Lightfoot is that, one, you cannot have an honest discussion about the budget as she says she wants to do, without mentioning the TIF program. Last year, the TIFs, or this year, the TIFs brought in $841 million in property taxes, folks, which is little more than the budget deficit. So if you wanted to, you could just use the TIFs to really cut into that budget deficit. But she didn't even mention TIFs in her speech. And uh, so, you know, I just find it little difficult to say we're having an honest discussion about the budget if you don't mention this huge chunk of cash that property taxpayers are sending to the coffers. Now, is that 
weird of me, D? Does that show a psychological imbalance? Am I a nutcase? You know, wrap me up and lock me away? I don't think so. I don't know. No. <laughs> Thank you, D, for saying that. I really no, appreciate that. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. All right. And then what's the other thing? Here's the other thing. Number, number two. <laughs> I forgot I was listing it. And we, should, we didn't do number one. Number one, Tiff's number two. The other thing. Look, in her speech, Lori laid out all the different options facing the citizens of Chicago. And she said that the time has come for the people of the city of Chicago to get real. All right. We're going to get real about our problems and we're going to address them head on. And we're going to have all, we're going to be grownups about this D and we're going to put all the options on the table. All Big right. Boy pants. Big boy pants, as our good friend Terry would say. Uh, one of the options on the table, of course, uh, the aforementioned TIF program was not an option on the table and that budget speech. I already dealt with that. But the other options were, the options from our left of center progressive friends that come on the show all the time and like carlos ramirez rosa for instance he talks about this right d uh, brendan johnson he comes on the show he talks about this uh the left of center crowd says that we should have more taxes more progressive taxes on wealthier people that's what they advocate so for instance what was uh carlos talking about a uh, a lease tax on uh, upper you know like uh wealthy corporations or wealthy law firms that was his idea so none of these progressive tax a LaSalle street tax i'm thinking i'm they're rolling off my head a head tax on the big corporations none of these left of center ideas are on the table so i find it a little hard to say we're considering all the alternatives in the universe uh if you don't consider the left of center alternatives because maybe the people of the city of chicago say we like those left of center uh, uh ideas but if they're not on the table you can't really like them or dislike them they're just like they don't exist so i feel compelled to point that out that we're when you're giving us the choices that we face that generally the choices are one a property tax hike which everybody's against the property tax is so regressive it's forcing people out of their homes i think everybody agrees the property tax is just too much and we shouldn't be as heavily dependent on it and there's a, a need for a larger revolution on that front we talked about that yesterday at length with andrea Rayla. Uh, and the other alternative is like a suggestion of perhaps uh, cutting benefits uh, and pension benefits. What does she talk about? Uh, uh, rethinking our pension program. You know, uh, uh, there's a talk about uh, budget cuts that would affect us all and throughout the city. We have to be real, she said. So I'm just saying that when we're considering the whole universe of options that we have available should we not at very least consider like the lefty stuff you know that the progressives are opining chicago is still pretty much a liberal city okay i know there's conservative bash pockets and some of those conservative pockets on at least on fiscal issues were very supportive of, of uh, Lori lightfoot in this last election i understand that but don't you think we should at least consider them hear the pros and cons as part of the overall discussion i don't know so those are my two criticisms about uh, Lori Lightfoot's budget. I'm putting it out there. And uh, oh, hold on, D. Uh, another text coming in. Just, oh, you got a text, yeah, huh? Text okay. Uh, Beep, F you, Ben. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, sorry, it's a rough day. Put for that me. on vibrate. Why is it going off like that? Beep. Uh, sorry, anyway. So I try to be better at it, folks. I'm going to try to restrain from having any psychological impulse just to routinely criticize uh, any mayor of the city of Chicago. By the way, we're going to have some Lori defenders. You're going to come on. We're going to do a bonus interview with them, D. We're equal opportunity here, right? What do I yeah, always say? We're equal opportunity. We got like the Joe Biden crowd over here on the right. Wait, wait. Oh, this is my right hand, right? Oh, you 
you're getting there. Yeah, yeah, right. And then you got like the Carlos crowd over here on the left. So, you know, that's kind of where we are. The Bernie crowd, the Joe Biden crowd. We let them. They're all welcome on our show. So we're going to have a couple of uh, uh, Lori supporters. That Biden crowd's thinning out. <laughs> Uh, well, David Seaton will be here uh, later today, oh, okay. and uh, he always has a nice thing. To, although, <laughs> I just got a text from him, he'd be stuck in traffic. Uh, but uh, he'll be here uh, later in the show. Anyway, speaking of which, we have a great show today. It's Friday. Ramana Hussein will be here, the Ramana Rundown. We'll be discussing Dave Chappelle. Mm, among other things. And Dennis will do his Dave Chappelle imitation. Oh, uh, and I just threw him out, out there. Uh, D- uh, David Seaton, a good friend of this show, will be on a podcast host, a political junkie, and uh, he'll be talking. Uh, he's a little more Joe Biden-esque uh, side of the wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, he will be here uh, t- giving the wor- his worldview. And then Jacob Kaplan, the uh, executive director of the Cook County Democratic Party. We're going to take the deep dive in all the local news. He uh, called him something uh, when we were on the phone today. Cap, Cap Attack. He he said that you said that. Oh, did you I call him Cap Attack? That's did a great I? nickname. I you know I can't remember all the brilliant things I say. Our host, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> blame it on the drugs I took uh, to ease the pain uh, with this injury. Anyway, uh, so uh, the Cap Attack will be here uh, at two thirty. Uh, his partner in crime, uh, Danny Pogoshelsky, will not be here because he, I'm not making this up. Is officiating a wedding. I think it's in Idaho or Montana. Good to know those commercials are paying off. Yeah. So uh, Danny P is out there uh, doing the I do's. Uh, at least officiating the I do's, but uh, Jacob yeah, yeah. Kaplan will be here. David Seaton will sit around. We're going to go through all the local political news. There's a ton of it. Uh, people wheeling and dealing, getting ready for that March primary. D, we're heading into uh, March primary season already, and there's a lot of maneuvering going on. So Jacob Kaplan will be here to talk about all that and get a little Tony and Lori talk from him as well. Uh, lots of political talk ahead of us. Lots and lots of political, national, state, and local. But before we do any of that. The young man we call the doctor has the news. Only you call me that. How's it going, everybody? Uh, Before we get going, Ben Jarofsky's Chicago Reader article is posted on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. All right, go read it and uh, comment. That'd be fantastic. You know, let Ben know what you think of the article. I've been hearing from a lot of people. Let me tell you. And then, by the way, just just so you know, uh, some of the the people who really dislike Lori are giving me grief. You weren't hard enough on it. Is that your phone going off again? Uh, Yeah, it is. Oh, no. Let's see. Let me see. Bleep you, Ben. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, man. Tell me to calm this out here today. I'm glad you edited yourself there. That's good. Bleep you. Come on. I never swear. Guests may swear, but I never swear. Go check out that column from Ben Jarofsky on our Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, or, you know, ChicagoReader.com. Either way is fine. Let's unpack that Chicago and or Illinois news happening this afternoon. Once again, because he is on the mend with that broken femur, no public events scheduled for one J.B. Pritzker. But we do have some state news to discuss. Election season is vastly approaching. And hey, here's proof right now in my face is a list of people who are either throwing their hat in the ring and running in a local election or grabbing grabbing their hat, putting it back on, and not seeking re-election. Like Republican Rep. Dave McSweeney. Mm. Dave McSweeney is actually grabbing his state rep hat, putting it back on, and now waiting to throw it back in to a new ring. Well, that is really confusing. Yeah, I know. David McSweeney announced that he will be running for a statewide seat in 2020. 
22. According to Illinois Politico, the Barrington Hills lawmaker has his sights set on the U.S. Senate seat now held by Democrat Tammy Duckworth. But McSweeney also said he might also consider the Illinois Secretary of State seat that could possibly open up if or when Jesse White retires. White has said that he won't run in 2022, but he's been known to change his mind. Yes, he has. Ben, give us the scoop. Who the hell is this McSweeney character? Well, David McSweeney, all his friends call him Big Mac. Actually, I don't think anybody calls him Big Mac, but it just heard McSweeney. Yeah, that's Gary McCarthy's Big nickname. Big Mac, Gary McCarthy. <laughs> Remember, his his idea was for the uh, to have the casinos at O'Hare. Not a bad idea, Gary Big Mac McCarthy. Anyway, uh, McSweeney, yeah, he's this um, interesting guy, McSweeney. He's Republican, so uh, very conservative. Uh, supported Jeannie Ives in the last election the, in the uh, Republican primary for governor, as I recall. So he's not a guy that uh, I would be supporting for anything at any time, uh, at any place. But I did kind of like him for this reason, uh, Dennis. He was outspoken in his criticism of Bruce Rauner. And I don't know if you remember this, but we would talk about this. One of the few Republicans who broke ranks with Rauner. And he would blast Rauner from left and right, and including on budget issues. He would, And he would call Rauner out uh, for being fraudulent. Uh, Ugh, he's mean. <laughs> Ugh. I don't like him. Uh, I love his Bruce Rauner imitation. But it's been so long since you got I to know, do that. I know, a little rusty. Where you are a little. We used to talk about Rauner day and day night. Bash him. <laughs> we bashed him more than McSweeney ever did. Ah, the good old bad days, as uh, I like yeah, to call them. Yeah, good old bad days. Bashing Bruce Rauner uh, as he, you know, Bruce Rauner, of course, as everybody knows, is dedicated to the notion uh, that the way to improve Illinois. I'm not making this up. This is essentially how Bruce Rauner saw government. The way to pr- uh, improve Illinois is to destroy the collective bargaining rights of workers to destroy unions. Um, and he had two reasons for doing that. His stated reason is somehow or other that he said that unions drive up the cost of business uh, in the state of Illinois, that drive up the cost of taxes in Illinois. And if we destroy unions, uh, businesses would make even more money uh, and there'd be pay less in taxes and there would be a little trickle down. That's his vision of the world as if it's ever worked that way ever in the entire history of the world. Like if you didn't have a union to negotiate on your behalf and force a boss to make a concession, I can't recall what a boss ever voluntarily uh, gave a raise to anybody. I'm done. I don't know about you, D. I don't remember ever seeing that happen. And maybe once here and there. You know, I remember old Tribune people used to tell me, Ben, they're really nice to us here at the Tribune. Oh, which Tribune person was that? <laughs> Some of them. I don't know. This is oh, back okay. in the 80s. We don't need a union. Yeah, meanwhile. Yeah, Sounds like Cass. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't gas, oh. uh, but it could be something he would say. You know, we don't need a union. Our bosses are really nice to us. Yeah, that's because the Sun-Times union, where the journalist union was like forcing raises from the Sun-Times, where the Trib had a match. And so even there, you had to thank the union. Anyway, now the Tribune, by the way, a credit, a little shout out to the Tribune employees. They formed their own union. How about that? Hey. Good for you, Eric Zorn. Right on. And uh, so anyway, so the notion that somehow or other, the powers that be who run corporations are just going to voluntarily give people more money without a little pressure from a union is so absurd. And yet that was Bruce Rauner's view of the world. And uh, so his notion was that uh, to, if, if the state didn't go along with his legislation to utterly annihilate unions, he would not pass a budget. And so he was bankrupting the state. And that was the world of Bruce Rauner from night 
what was it, 2014 to 2018 until finally, mercifully, the voters of Illinois ousted him and put in uh, J.B. Pritzker. So I give McSweeney credit because he denounced some of the insane budget moves of, uh, of Bruce Rauner. In that response, in, in that way, he was more of a maverick in the uh, in the Republican Party. But he's, again, far right. It's not anybody that uh, I would <laughs> vote for at any time soon. Uh, but it does open a seat, and we'll be talking to Jacob Kaplan. Can the Democrats take that seat? Hey, say what you want about Rauner. He loves teachers. Yay, for our teachers. <laughs> Yay, for our teachers. No word yet on which Republican <laughs> might run in McSweeney's place. Uh, Meanwhile, there is a group of Democrats somewhere near Barrington Hills, Illinois, having one hell of a power meeting on who they could possibly run to take that seat. Former Democratic State Senator Ira Silverstein filed paperwork to run for a Cook County judge seat. If that name sounds familiar, well, Silverstein was caught up in a hashtag me too moment, but was later cleared. Yes, he was. And Ira Silverstein is the husband of Deborah Silverstein, who's the alderwoman of the uh, 50th Ward, as you know, D, uh, on the far uh, northwest side of Chicago. And uh, yeah, Ira Silverstein got caught up in those embarrassing uh, headlines and stories about, uh, what was it, t- text messages, et cetera, et cetera. They really, it really was an embarrassing moment. Uh, and ultimately, he lost his position as well uh, because of that. But I guess he's uh, uh, plotting his comeback, comeback as a judge. And, you know, judicial campaigns are kind of uh, low key. Folks don't really pay a lot of attention. So who knows? Uh, maybe the party endorsement will work for him. We got to uh, put that in here to ask Jacob Kaplan about Iris Silverstein. Got it, D. Former Cook County Board President Todd Stroger mm-hmm. and Harvey Park District Executive Director Keisha McCaskill have formed a slate to run for two of the three open seats with the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Ben, you hear that? Three open spots. Oh. We've always said that if there were one office for you to throw that dirty bull's hat in the ring for, it's the <laughs> Metropolitan Water Reclamation <laughs> District gig. Absolutely. Are you going to run for it? Well, I've been thinking about it, D, because as you know, water reclamation district basically deals with water yeah and as everybody knows i love water yes you do i'm gonna have a drink yeah Mm. god dang the sun times water is delicious and right down the hall okay the water cooler is right down the hall from us here pop quiz (laughs) what kind of water is that uh wet water oh hey you're good We got to get you on that third spot. Hey, man, come on. <laughs> Water's wet. There you go. That's pretty much all you need to know to sit on the water reclamation. No, I jest. Ha, ha, ha. Remember when that uh, was it Kenny Duncan that uh, got they put him on Rauner put him on the the oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny Duncan or uh, the former state rep from the near south side of Chicago was a Democrat and he broke ranks to support Rauner one of the dumbest political moves I've ever seen anybody conduct got clobbered in a reelection. Uh, primary bid against uh, Juliana Stratton, who's now a lieutenant governor. Anyway, uh, Rauner, as a sign of appreciation, put Duncan on the water rec district. And uh, when they asked Duncan, what do you know about water? He goes, I know a lot about water. I drink it. So there you go. That's it doesn't. Bam. <laughs> That's all you need. He actually didn't say that. I said he said it. It's oh. just a joke. Well, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to make a commercial for you. I want this to happen. All right. I want you to get that water reclamation district gig. All right. Check this out. Let's do a little commercial right now. In uh, fact, vote Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> For Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Uh, (laughs) He loves water because water's wet. Yeah, water's wet. Bam! Folks, this is what you need to know. Water 
is wet. There you go. Don't okay? say you ever never learned anything on All the Ben right. Jarofsky show. My primer on water is about as good as Lori's on the budget. <laughs> so sorry, oh. man. I didn't mean to go. Hold on. Here comes another text. Oh, wait. What? Oh, yeah. Can you please turn that off? We're doing the show. Bleep you, Ben. Oh, oh. sorry, man. I didn't mean that. Okay. <laughs> Watch your mouth, people texting Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> we got two newcomers uh, challenging veteran state rep Sarah Feigenholtz in the Democratic primary for the 12th District, Ryan Podges and Chicago attorney Marty Malone. And finally, in an interesting move, State Senator Ron Villabalam is running for 39th Ward Committeeman. Mm-hmm. Politico reported Thursday that Robert Murphy, the current committeeman of the 39th Ward Democratic Organization, is resigning Saturday, a.k.a. tomorrow, and members of the Ward Organization are expected to vote to appoint Villabalam to replace him. Murphy has sent Tony Preckwinkle, chair of the Cook County Democratic Party, a letter indicating his intent to resign and make the transition. Villabalam will serve as committeeman for the rest of the term and then run for a new four-year term in the March primary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, all right. A question uh, that uh, people have for me, uh, and I get this question all the time. Does that mean he's stepping down yeah. as state senator? Uh, can you hold the two offices at once? And now here is a uh, primer, primer, whatever they call it, uh, much like Lori's on the budget. Okay. Uh, and Don't uh, check your phone. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> F you, Ben. Um, uh, so here's how it works, folks. Uh, a state senator is an elected office. Uh, he, he ran as a Democrat, uh, Ron Villavon, by the way, uh, a guest on the Ben Jarofsky show, and he did an outstanding job when he was here, former SCIU, a union member, very pro-union uh, st- uh, state senator from the northwest side of Chicago and into the suburbs. I think Skokie, Lincolnwood, those suburbs. Anyway, uh, uh, uh is so... Uh, as a state senator, that's an elected official. That's not a party position. He's a state official, and he you know, gets to he goes down to the General Assembly. A committeeman is a party position. It is a partisan position. In this case, Democratic Party. I don't believe there's any money. I don't think they get any money for it. Uh, in the old days, committeemen had tremendous power. They were the ones who effectively were doled out their little piece of the patronage pie uh, by the central committee of the Democratic Party. Uh, Richard J. Daly in those days ran it. Uh, we've long since moved away from the days where there was just free and, f- free and flowing patronage, thanks to various anti-patronage rulings by federal judges in the Shackman case. So there's less p- patronage uh, for the uh, committeemen to dole out, and therefore they don't have as much power as they uh, used to. But they do have slate-making power, and by that, they're the ones who determine who will get the Democratic endorsement uh, for various offices. And it's very important when it comes to the judge, to judges, because pretty much that's what uh, that's it determines who gets elected. And so uh, Villa Valam will, be, it's a, will move on to a party position. And as Dennis said, you'll have to run uh, to be officially voted, approved by the voters in the, uh, what is it, the March 2020 primary. So it's a party position as opposed to a uh, state position that he has. With so you can keep both. The- well, any ideas as to why uh, Robert Murphy's just Willing to give it up. Hey, here's the keys. Uh, I do not know. Robert Murphy ran for alderman. was unsuccessful. So maybe he's getting tired of uh, politics. I don't know. I, we're gonna, uh, one more thing. Hold on. Writing it down. Please do. Please uh, do. Jacob Kaplan, Rom, Vilvam. Uh, 39th War. There you go. All right. That's Just add that to the list. Fantastic okay. podcast uh, content. Been uh, writing things down. Ha, ha, 
Ha. Moving on. No public event scheduled for our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, but she may have one thing on her Friday to-do list. Calling back Tony Preckwinkle. Mm-hmm. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle says she's taken the first step in ending a public feud with Mayor Lori Lightfoot, calling the mayor Thursday morning in the hopes of beginning a conversation about how the two could work together on gun violence. But... The mayor did not pick up the phone. Preckwinkle was forced to leave a voicemail. All right, now, Ben, before we speculate, let's go glass half full here. The mayor of Chicago is the mayor of Chicago. She's very busy, but like I said, (laughs) no public event scheduled today. Is there a chance that she calls back Tony Preckwinkle today? There is a chance, but I have to do the over-under on this one. I'm going to say that Lori will make Tony wait at least another day. That's my guess. Lori will make Tony wait uh, another day. All right? That's just my guess, okay? And so uh, I'll put my money. Of course, I bet on the Bears yesterday, so what do I know? <laughs> uh, we, you know, uh, Romana Sena's coming in. We're going to ask her that question when we start that segment, uh, the over-under on whether uh, Lori uh, called Tony back. But my guess is she hasn't called her back yet. Uh, and we'll talk about that with Romana. L- Lori gets into these feuds and uh, sometimes it takes her a while to to. F- forgive and forget and make up and hold on here's another uh, text coming in from oh, okay. a Lori right. supporter All right. uh, oh yeah about uh, oh my goodness <laughs> F you Ben <laughs> uh, sorry about that by the way other texts that just came in uh, uh, are that um, uh, commitment are not paid so thank you very much uh, you know who who texted me I just saw that I, I Committeeman, Democratic Committeeman, it's an unpaid position. I believe I said that, but let's make it clear. So it is an unpaid party position. All right, now I have quotes from Tony Preckwinkle uh, because she gave quotes to the media after Lori Lightfoot didn't answer the calls. But I'm not going to read those quotes. That's just very interesting to me that she went to the to the media about it. But uh, as for the mayor, a spokeswoman for Lightfoot would only say, quote, voicemail received and acknowledged or in uh, Lori Lightfoot terms, I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I hear you loud. I hear you loud and clear, but I'm not responding loud and clear. Look, <laughs> not that anybody in the Lori Lightfoot administration is going to listen to anything I say these days. They're pretty mad. Did I tell you they're pretty mad at me these days? Oh, Steve? yeah. This, oh, that phone gag is, is really. Uh, I don't think I was that harder in that column. But uh, anyway, uh, Lori, you know, Lori Lightfoot, come on. Just call Tony Preckwinkle back. Make up. You're the two most powerful people in the city of Chicago right now. One runs the county. One runs the city. Come on. Let's go. Let's get together. It's better. In fact, I'm echoing an uh, an opinion that I read in the Chicago Sun-Times editorial page, probably written by Big Tommy Mac McNamee, uh, about how they should get together again. So we'll maybe ask Ramon about that as well. So there you are. That's some local news happening in Chicago and or Illinois. And can you feel that in the air, people? It is football season, all right? All right? Yeah. Which means that the best sports reporter in Chicago want to offer you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories that you love. Do not miss a game this season. Get all the big plays, scores, and stories from the Chicago Sun-Times. For a limited time only, you can lock in our lowest rate yet, only $29.99 for a full year. $29.99 for all of the news and sports that you need to know. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times. Times reporters and go deep inside City Hall with best in-class political reporting and, of course, 
Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. You can't do better than that. Isn't that right, Robert Mueller? That's correct. <laughs> Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. People, do not go anywhere because coming up after this short little break, it's Friday's edition of the Romana Rundown and Sun-Times editor Romana Hussein. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito. Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for, um, like if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And, uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you, um, even wider. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Romano Hussein is in the studio. It's the Romano Rundown every Friday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. The Romano Hussein Rundown, the Romano uh, Rundown. Romano, welcome back. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. Uh, and uh, so I warned Romano before uh, she came on. I had this thing on my nose uh, because the, the shock of people when they come in and they see it, they're like, what the hell is that? You know. Uh, so anyway, I, uh, you handled it very well, Romano. I got to give you credit for that. And the message that you gave me is what? Use sunscreen. Thank you. Which I've been doing for years. And I do it because of vanity. If you read any fashion magazine, they tell you the one thing to keep wrinkles at bay is sunscreen. Yeah. But it's also it's also very good for you. You can get uh skin cancer. Which is what I got. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I got it. Uh, and thankfully, it was uh, the non-lethal kind. But I urge absolutely everyone to learn from me. Use the sunscreen. I, I, I put sunscreen on, but I don't... Uh, you know, when I would ride my bike here, yeah. but the doctor was saying, no, you got to be, you, you got to be vigilant right. about yes. it. And especially if you're pale, 
you're supposed to continue continually use it. In a lot of uh, magazines that I read, my fashion magazines, they say you're supposed to use a shot glass amount on your body. I obviously, I usually focus on my face. Mm -hmm. I should, but you're supposed to put it all over your body. Yeah. You know, or at least whatever is exposed. And some people think that when you're indoors, you don't have to use sunscreen, but you're supposed to. Indoors? Indoors also. And people think that if you're in, it's a cloudy day, you don't have to wear sunscreen and you're supposed to wear sunscreen. Wait, why would you have to wear sunscreen if you're indoors? Because there's still UV rays coming through your windows. Not so, this room, yeah, that's no, for not, sure. Oh, not this room. Not in, not in the press room at 26 and Cal. I actually was very low on vitamin D when I was at the press room at 26 and Cal. And that's a double-edged sword because the sun is actually very good for you too. Yeah. And that's where the main source of vitamin D is. So a lot of people that are in North America, including us, we tend to have low vitamin D. Wait, that's when I go to the doctors. Uh-huh. That's the one thing. That's my major health problem is I have low vitamin D. So one year the doctor's like, she gave me a, she told me the only type, she only other person who had really low vitamin D lower than mine was a woman who covered her face and wore the niqab. So she told me, she goes, I don't know what you're, and I, so I try to sit outside in the sun. She actually told me to limit my sunscreen. She uh, said, maybe I'm using too much, yeah. but, but it is a very good thing. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm now, uh, I'm going to be very vigilant. As you said, from here on out, uh, I learned my lesson the hard way. Uh, all right, let's move on to other topics. I've been really uh, eager to talk to you about this one and I call it Dave Chappelle, uh, Dave Chappelle Friday on the Ben Jarofsky show. Dave Chappelle, of course, a great comedian from his heyday about 15 years ago when he had a show and he walked away from his show. Very controversial these days, uh, very politically incorrect. And he has a a Netflix show. Have you seen it yet? Yeah. The comedy special is called Sticks and Stones. I don't know if I want to see it because I really like Dave Chappelle and I loved his show and I think his comedy is pretty funny. I don't always like I'm, I'm not going to say that I've never cringed at some of his comedy, particularly the R. Kelly skit that he had. Um, but but I, I, overall, I always thought he was pretty funny and he thought he was pretty clever. But I think, know the latest one he's been criticized because, you know, he goes after the LGBTQ community about, you know, he talks about, I, from what I read, you know, I didn't see the special, I admit, but I did see the clip that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I, I know he goes after the Me Too movement mm-hmm. as well. Um, he mentions how, you know, his friend Louis C.K. Yeah, I would urge know, everybody. Uh, I, I, I would like to see some snippets of it, okay. I guess. Well, I sent uh, Ramada a snippet. She had homework to do. Yes. And the one snippet, I've seen the whole special. So I. What I, did you think of it? Well, it's okay. Overall, um, I liked it. Overall, I liked it. I had some problems with bits and pieces. I had some big problems with some of the pieces. Yeah. Like, um, and without having, I almost wish we could play every piece and then have a breakdown. In fact, maybe, you know what? I'm thinking out loud. Maybe we should do that. I'm just thinking that I'll bring in a couple comics and like we did the deep dive once on, um, uh, on once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is one where I bring you and Maureen O'Donnell and we'll do the deep dive on uh, Dave Chappelle. Anyway. Uh, so there's a couple parts that I really have trouble with. Uh, the one about when he talks about Louis CK and he's, and the one of the Michael Jackson part where he's just so, yeah, so that was a, that was one that people really felt, I just felt, you know, you're not being, you're, you're not being, I don't know, sensitive to people who are victims. And uh, yeah. so I think comedy, when it goes after people in power, powerful people is a great thing. But yeah. then when you can use it to go after people who are vulnerable and it had been uh, abused, I'm not sure I. Yeah. A common element of what I've seen in write-ups is that he was punching down. 
Yes. And okay. that was what I've seen in a lot of reviews is that he was, they felt like he was punching down and they said that, and I saw another headline that said, you know, he used to make fun of the establishment. Now he's kind of become the establishment. And you know, there's a part of me that says like, you know, as a comedian, I guess he has a right to make fun of whatever he wants to, but then people have the right to criticize yeah. what he says. Absolutely. And that's how, and he's, uh, he starts off by talking about all the criticism he takes. Yeah. Uh, that said, there's some very funny parts of it. And I think pound for pound, uh, my favorite part is something that's uh, dear and to us because we talk about it so much. We have been talking about oh. it. Uh, Jesse Smollett. Yeah. And uh, Ramon and I have been discussing the Jesse Smollett case since it broke. It's a regular part of our show. Let's face it, uh, Ramon, we're not going to get out of it anytime no. soon. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be uh, at the forefront of the battle for against Kim Fox it, coming up in March in the Democratic primary and then in the general election. Uh, and, uh, so D, um, can we play just a snippet of the Dave Chappelle thing? So, uh, so folks, just a snippet. So they just a little taste of Dave Chappelle and the, um, I shared it with our other guest, Dave Seaton. He had a homework assignment. He had to, uh, to listen to it as well. Uh, so uh, just a little snippet of Dave Chappelle. You got it. I need just a little bit. All right. Well, this is Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and remember he calls him, uh, what he calls him? Uh, the <laughs> Juicy Smollett. Yeah, he said yeah. he's a, he called him a French actor. The French actor, uh, Juicy Smollett. And of course, uh, Justice Smollett is the uh, uh, Empire TV show star who uh, accused a couple of um, uh, Trump MAGA hat wearing uh, Trump supporters, Trump supporter white men of beating him up, mugging him. Uh, they didn't steal anything from him, but they knocked a Subway sandwich out of his hand, I think. And then they, they poured bleach on him. And uh, this is his story. And put a noose around his neck. Yeah. Yep. And you ready to go? All right. Go everybody's ahead. Twitter feed and Instagram page. Justice for Juicy and all this shit. <laughs> The whole country was up in arms. He was talking about it all the time on the news. And, and for some reason, uh, African-Americans, we were like oddly quiet. <laughs> we were so quiet about this shit that the gay community started accusing African-American community of being homophobic for not supporting him. What they didn't understand is that we were supporting him with our silence. <laughs> Because we understood that this nigga was clearly lying. That uh, <laughs> uh, gives you a little taste. Yeah. Of he was lying. Uh, so anyway, what's your thoughts? Do you think he was lying? Me? Yeah. I mean, the allegations are that he was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess I can tell, you know, the listeners now, but when the initial report happened uh, that he was a victim of a hate crime, there were, um, we did have a lot of police sources that told us it's not exactly what you think it is. So I know a lot of journalists kind of bit their tongue, mm -hmm. especially a lot of the journalists that are really quick to go on Twitter and tell everybody their thoughts. I, I saw that there was a hesitation. So I think a lot of, I think a lot of people in the press knew that there was more to the story. It wasn't that black, you know, black and white. Um, I don't know if that's the right terms, terms to use, but there was also, I don't know, there was a part of me when I heard the story, there are Trump supporters in Chicago, but the story, it was just so perfect about what exactly happened to him. It's like he was attacked because he was 
gay and also an african-american man i was like it just sounded the the um the trump supporters that allegedly beat him up sounded like they were from central casting yeah and i felt like there are trump supporters and this happened in the gold coast didn't it yeah it happened uh there are probably trump supporters in the gold coast but People on the Gold Coast don't really talk like that. And not nobody's saying that there couldn't be some people from middle America who just ended up in the Gold Coast, but it just sounded like so bizarre. I, it, for me, that part, the MAGA hats was where I just kind of was like, and the way they said, mm-hmm. you know, went after him, the way it was described, I just was skeptical about that part. As, yeah. as someone who's from this area, like I said, I'm not saying there's not Trump supporters here. There definitely are, but it was just the manner and the... Well, let's put it this way. Uh, let's talk not uh, Ramana Hussein, the uh, civilian, yeah. uh, but Ramana Hussein, the criminal justice reporter who's heard every conceivable defense, every conceivable accusation, every conceivable story, sometimes by people under oath. Yeah. So they're facing perjury if they're... Uh, lying is exposed yeah so when you as ramana hussein the criminal justice reporter a little jaded seen it all heard it all heard that story you must have had alarms going off yeah i did yeah i did i I did um and then i thought it was interesting that he won on national tv and was talking about it and was so confident in it and you know i'm not saying you know there's crazy things happen in this world. So I, I'm like, well, maybe this did happen, but there was definitely that part of me where I was like, I don't know, something about this story just sounds a little odd and bizarre. And uh, one of our reporters said that a uh, source had told him that as he was still holding a sandwich after he was attacked. So when someone says they're attacked and they're holding a sandwich, you would think that the sandwich would fall out of their hands. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and, and then he line. also, and then he also, I think kept his shirt on that had all the acid on it. And I think this police source told, um, one of our reporters, like, wouldn't he just take that shirt off? Like, you know, he kept the noose on and he kept the shirt on and it, it, it just, you know, I'm sure, you know, there are professionals who deal with this day in and day out and they can probably tell when the story doesn't all add up but as someone who's a reporter and covers a lot of these stories i mean there's sometimes where i talk to reporters i sat through criminal courts and there are stories where some people like will hear about it and you kind of think here's a story and you're like it doesn't really sound and like everybody else thinks you know even reporters and i'm like you know when you sit through a lot of these you can kind of tell what stories are real Do and what reporters, are... Do I don't think I've ever asked this. So when the... in the press crew at the 26th and California Criminal Courts building can get a little jaded. Because like I said, you've yeah, heard... For absolute, sure. Just for like sure. the City Hall You're court. probably more less jaded than I am when, oh when it comes God, to yes. matters. So, <laughs> I know that for a fact. <laughs> well, maybe in matters of criminal... Ju- not criminal justice, but like crime stories. Yeah. Like a lot of reporter friends that I know that never have covered criminal... They like... They believe everything usually, well, <laughs> Not, that, and they're reporters. And they, but it, when it comes to politics, I might be a little more softer than they are. Uh, more, yeah, less maybe uh, you may be a little. You may be a little more benevolent toward a mayor. I was just uh, talking about this <laughs> earlier in the show. Uh, no, I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. But I, I've covered politics. But yeah, after you cover politics, too, I've sat through city council meetings and. I was like 20 in my twenties and they drove me crazy. So I'm sure if I sat through those over and over again and was at this age, I would be a lot. So I I'm, I'm saying when you sit through some of these things, but here's the thing, 
uh, and, and, and this is what Chappelle is sort of getting at. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he, he, I, by the way, we should put that, uh, that bit on our Facebook page. So folks want to hear Dave Chappelle's the full bit. Uh, they can, it, it's about four minutes long. Uh, Dave Chappelle, it's just a portion of his comedy uh, show sticks and stones. Mm-hmm. And it's just about the part, um, uh, having to do with Jesse Smollett, who he calls him Jesse Smollett, a French actor. Juicy, juicy, juicy. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, it's very funny. Uh, but but people have instinctive political reactions, obviously, and yeah. there's a, a larger fight going on between Democrats and Republicans, and between non-Trump people yeah. who dislike Trump and people who like Trump. Yeah. So you know when he said that mm-hmm. a lot of black people were quiet, I don't think that was true. Absolutely I, I, not so true. I was like, because like, they don't, I mean, most of the African-American community doesn't like Trump. Yeah. So, you know, this is, I thought a lot of, there's a lot of African-American politicians, at least on my Twitter feed that were saying stuff about yeah. Jesse Smollett being attacked. That, this. That's Monday morning revision. Okay. I mean, everybody <laughs> was taken in by a certain degree by Smollett. And, uh, and Kim Fox, the state's attorney for at least I want to say a week or so. I can't remember. Was still sticking to the uh, the. She wanted the FBI to investigate. Yeah, investigate. She was still sticking to the, even though it was a, a ludicrous story that he was saying. She was still sticking to the accusation that he was the victim, uh, and that she's in political trouble because she stuck to that story for a long time and intervened uh, with the uh, police chief, uh, even though lots of people in the city of Chicago are saying, uh-uh, "I'm not feeling." So, in other words, we have a tendency. We it's not like we suspend our judgment of the facts, you know, because. We're on a certain political oh, of side. Of course, that happens all the time. I think, you know, and that's happening with news too. And, you know, I always say it's more the extreme right who's doing it, but there's there's sometimes stories that have no fact or like no basis of reality mm-hmm. that the left is spreading too. You know, stories that I've seen on my Facebook page. Yeah. But No, and the right does it too. And I always say this yeah. when we get to Kim Fox, I'm going... You right-wingers were so outraged about Kim Fox. Where were you on the Kochman case? Where exactly. were you? And, no, and, a, and a lot of people with the Jesse Smollett case, when it turned out that he was the one being charged, they pointed out, like, and rightfully so, about, you know, matters involving police brutality. You know, they mentioned just, you know, Jason Van Dyke. They're like, why wasn't the outrage there for Jason Van Dyke? And yeah. those are good questions. You know, those are good questions. I think, like I said, I, I think a lot of people see the world as black and white. They don't see a lot of grays. Yeah. And there are a lot of grays when you well, are a journalist. And I was just about to say, if you're a criminal justice reporter at 26 in California, it's hard to see the world in extremes of good and bad. Of you course. Because you see so much bad. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very, um, it's, a, it's an interesting place. All right. There's, now, speaking of criminal justice, uh, Eddie Verdoliak was in the news, mm-hmm. former Eddie, uh, Alderman Eddie Verdoliak. And for our youngsters, it's hard to explain just how much power this man had back in the 1980s. I don't remember him. You know, I, I'm just saying as as someone who was a kid in the 80s, I don't remember. I remember his name, mm-hmm. but I don't remember the impact that he had on city council until I became a reporter and I was covering city news and everybody talked about the council wars. Yeah. That was before. That was definitely before your time. Yeah. Uh, Council Wars. And was, he was definitely on he was the, leader. the white guy's side, yeah, right? He, so, he tag okay. team with Ed Burke. That name is still around yeah. to lead the uh, the white opposition to Harold Washington, who is uh, was the first black 
a person elected mayor of the city of Chicago is going to say uh, you had to wait all the way to Lori Lightfoot to get a second. Yeah. And uh, so Eddie Berdoliak, he um, he he united 29 aldermen to oppose Harold Washington on pr- virtually everything that Harold Washington tried to do. And it was the best, very much white versus black. And yeah. as such, he lost all credibility in the city of Chicago and will be forever known as the uh, henchman who opposed uh, Harold Washington. There's nothing he can do about that. It tries may burke's the same way by the way uh and uh so eddie verdoliak he was de- uh, defeat or he stepped out as alderman and uh his career kind of ended but he was a very powerful behind mm-hmm. the scenes uh lawyer and uh sort of a deal maker and he's in, he's in trouble right now he's in federal court yeah he pleaded guilty to tax evasion um he's 81 years old and he came into court the other day on thursday I believe, and he said that his his attorney was asking for a delay in the sentencing, mm-hmm. and he's. I think this is the third time that they asked, yeah, for a delay in the sentencing. Apparently, he fell at his home, and they're getting some neurological testing done. They haven't gotten the re- the results yet, and so, and I, I believe the from the story that I read from the Chicago Tribune, Jason Meisner, who was my competition at Twenty Six and Cal. At one time, well, uh, we it, are that's, friends. That's very nice of you to give a <laughs> shout out to the other side. <laughs> the tribunal came up with a good story. He, Let's bas- give credit. he basically they requested a new uh, sentencing date in December, and this was basically ple- he was pleading guilty to tax evasions that had to do with uh, payments he received mm-hmm. from the state's massive settlement to tobacco company yeah, companies in the nineties. Yeah. Like, so, how was he in the trough on that uh, one? You know. Yeah. That's, so that's the fast one. So uh, yeah. So this is the third time. So I I don't know what exactly happened in you know I don't there was no new tri- sentencing date set but I'm okay. sure the judge is considering this. So in some ways there's some parallels to what we're talking about Justice Smollett. Mm-hmm. Like you're so you're a criminal justice reporter. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself. You're gonna say is did he really fall? Did he really <laughs> fall? Is he really infirmed? Is it like that? Remember there was a that that gangster in New York uh, who pretended he was senile so that the judge would not sentence him. I forget the dude's name. And he avoided sentencing because he was like acted senile. Daddy, yeah. What was the movie? But there was a movie where. Um, I'm looking at all the young people in the studio and they're getting blank faces. Uh, where the guy. <laughs> all you've said is there's a movie. Yeah, yeah, okay. The movie where the uh, Ed uh, Norton, was that it? He played. Oh, uh, Murder in the f- First? Was that the one where he pretended where he, he was. Pl- he, that was actually filmed at 26 in California, if you knew that. There was a courtroom. Know we know that there's a. Richard Gere was his. Uh, yes, Richard Gere attorney, was. Attorney. Right, very good. And Laura Linney was the special pros- the spot prosecutor, I remember. But, you know, there was actually a courtroom. At, there's a courtroom at 26 in California that looks really fancy and that's the one that they used i think they i think they cleaned it up they cleaned for that it up movie. A little. <laughs> yeah. wouldn't want it to be any way like it is for all everybody every day those actually some of those courtrooms from floor four to seven they're pretty cool anyway ed, so, in this yeah. movie ed norton pretended he was, was insane yeah when he was referring really- to 1996 as primal fear Oh yeah, primal. Yeah. You're not murdered first. On Wikipedia, murder yeah. or are you yeah, a genius? That's probably smart. Man, no, no, no primal fear. Smart. I'm thinking of murder in the first or something completely different. Yeah. I, uh, but primal fear. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was did the see lawyer. It. Uh, so remember, so is it, in, you know, what's your, what's your criminal justice <laughs> I don't know. instinct I, going? I mean, on one hand, he is elderly. Yeah. I've never seen him. Like every time I've seen him, he looks pretty good. 
but I, I don't know. You know, anything can happen. Yeah, it's his health. But yeah, off. I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking, did he really fall? Yeah. Like all of a sudden he's having <laughs> neurological problems now that yeah. it's close to being him being sentenced. And I think a lot of a lot of suspects or a lot of people who are being sentenced and they're older, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier for them to argue health conditions. Yeah. Uh, and I, I find this very common when it is an older all right. Well, Older maybe, you know, convicted and maybe, felon. you know, you know, maybe he did. I'm just saying, yeah, but I'm sure I'm sure that's but, going through a lot of people's right. heads. Like, did he really fall? And by the way, did just, anybody push him on purpose? Uh, <laughs> did he ask someone to push him? I'm, I don't know. I'm not saying that. I want to make fun of. Yeah, you don't want to make fun. And person. by the way, I just want to say this is very important that I say this as well. Maybe it's also a possibility uh, that Dave Chappelle is wrong and that Jesse Smollett really was mugged. At that, two in the morning, uh, by a couple of uh, MAGA hat wearing white guys. Maybe that's true. That, that could be true. Okay, yeah, it's a possibility, right? I'm looking at David C. Yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing with that story is that there are camera, a lot of cameras out there, and they never got two guys wearing a, a MAGA hat, yeah, white MAGA guys in MAGA, hat, but they yeah. had the two guys that were the brothers, yeah, the his African friends. Brothers, yeah. Okay, that story. But is I thought so it was weird. pretty funny that Chappelle said, "Where's was Kanye in town?" Oh uh, yeah, no, you gave I away the punchline, but it is Sorry. a very funny Sorry. ending, folks. If you're going to take the, if you're going to listen to the bit, which uh, Dennis will put on our Facebook page, you got to listen to it all the way at the end because the last line is the closer. Kanye is from Chicago, so he is from the Chicago possibility he was in town that, at that uh, time. All right, and uh, before we get to Romano's rundown, your recommendations for the weekend, I have to get you to weigh in. Lori versus Tony. <laughs> All oh, right. I thought you were going to talk about the Bears. Oh, um, the yeah, Bears suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do they I, thought, suck? I thought Lori and Tony, you know, like last week when I was in the office, someone said that there was rumors that there was going to be some sort of powwow and healing meeting last week. So I was in the news meeting yesterday. So when someone mentioned that Tony had called Lori, I go, I thought they already became friends. And somebody's like, no, it never happened. So um, there were a lot of jokes in the um, afternoon news meeting yesterday about how Tony probably called her at four in the morning. <laughs> Passive aggressive. Yeah. But she yeah. knew she wouldn't be answering her and, phone. Yeah. And uh, made jokes about phonies to Lori's By the way, phone. that's an example of how jaded reporters are. Uh, you know, I'm not saying who said what, yeah, right, but yeah. so I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of, I don't know, passing right. of a. So the issue is here, has Lori returned the call? The call was made yesterday. Oh, by the way, and how did the reporters find out? Does anybody know? Like, how did people know that? Maybe Tony- I, I admit I haven't read Rachel Hinton's story, but I'm assuming someone from the counties, you know, maybe Tony, one of Tony's people called our reporters and, and tipped them off and okay. said, hey, you know. Tony's trying to reach out to Lori. I gotcha. And this, you know, this makes it look like the ball's now in Lori's yeah. court if she wants to return the call. Well, I, I just... They be- held hands. I thought they already made friends. I, I thought they were already friends. But, you know, you know obviously there's still water under the bridge yeah. in that situation. Uh, listen, I, I got to say this. I said this right... Tony is the head of the county. Lori Lightfoot is the head of the city. Uh, we have some really serious criminal justice issues. They have to work together. They have to work together. And this... Come on, get over it. You know, I just, yeah. uh, I've got many guests on my show uh, from the last station that fired me, right, D? What was the name of that station? Uh, WCU Later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at some point, <laughs> at some point you just got to move on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, come on, Lori Lightfoot. Just call her back for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. She, they have to kind of think of it as a workplace. You might not get along with everyone, but just be an adult. 
All right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Get, now, get along. Uh, uh, you mentioned the Bears. Uh, they, they were so terrible. I was so excited about the Bears. I was so pumped up. There was a party at the Sun-Times the other day. Yeah, because now we're big sponsors. That's correct. We got we had a tailgate party. I heard I, it. I, I, it was I, during our show. Was it? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. You didn't get to come. I know. I didn't. I ate like three hamburgers. Wow. That's and a my, lot of hamburgers. And, and Mick was going to pretend he didn't judge me, but he did when I told him. I'd Mick Dumpty, of course. But, but there were three... There were three little hamburgers. They weren't really big. Okay, so added. He probably wants to give me a lecture since he's a vegetarian. Vegetarian, but, yeah. But um, no, I, I have to tell you, I don't like football, and I barely pay attention to the Bears unless no they make intended. it, in, unless they make it to the Super Bowl. So the game's so, not on your house. No. Oh no! I. Uh, you know what? It's not. It wasn't. When I came home yesterday, the Cubs games was on. Oh, the Cubs beat the Brewers last night. Yeah. Well, I was so eager to watch the Bears because I am a Bears fan. I've been a Bears fan forever. I rushed home. Uh, it took us a while to get there, but the long story. But anyway, I, I turned on the TV and I just saw one wretched series after another <laughs> and I couldn't take it anymore. Everybody was excited about the uh, Bears yesterday except me and maybe five other people. Uh, but yeah, um, my, colleagues, <laughs> my colleagues, uh, one of my colleagues, yesterday I was asked to work a little later because everybody was leaving and one of my colleagues had to leave early because he was going to the Bears game. Dave Newbart, who you know, oh, yeah. former editor of the, the Reader. Reader. He's a yeah. season ticket holder, so he really really loves the bears. I think he's gone on a cruise with the bears. Wow. That's, but that's so I, so when there. he came in today, <laughs> I was like, for help. I looked at him and said, how's the game? He said it was the weirdest game he's ever attended. And I go in what way? And he said that a lot of season ticket holders give, they feel like, you know, th- there's all this excitement in the air. So they feel like this is the time to make money. So they give their tickets away. So he felt like there was a lot of fair weather fans there mm. yesterday or people who just wanted to be seen. Uh, so he said, he said there was excitement for about five minutes in the game and everybody's screaming and cheering and then he's like then it felt like all the energy was sucked out of the room yeah so he said it was a weird game and he said it was a boring game oh it was immensely boring and i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of throw this out there i know dennis gets mad at me whenever i talk sports but bear fans like to say that this new Nagy era is so much different than the old fox era they love to like they've got their vilify fox i cannot I challenge any Bear fan out there to say there was anything measurably better about the Bears' offense yesterday than anything we saw under with uh, Fox and Jay Cutler. Anyway, enough sports talk for the day. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a Bears fan? No. No, no. He, he doesn't. He, yeah. Yeah. Way, I don't even, I, like I said, I, I don't even like football. I like sports, but not that much. As you, All right. Know? Ramana Rundown, uh, the close as always with your recommendations for the weekend. I, you know, I was going to ask you, you're probably going to watch the new It Oh my God! Are you kidding? Of course I'm gonna laugh. The first one I made me it. laugh. The, wait, the first one that was on uh, with John Ritter first. No, one no, I 90s? did see that one when yeah. I was I was younger. But yeah. no, I I I I dragged Mick to see it because everybody said it was so scary and it takes a lot to scare me. And they're like, "This is one of the scary." I it, I was laughing throughout yeah. the whole thing. It was not Come scary. On, it was kind of scary at the beginning when the, the kid, clown started the clown. dancing. Yeah, that part with was funny. The kid and the boat going into the. But remember when the clown started dancing? Yeah, it got a little. It, yeah. it made me laugh, I and I was clown. laughing. I was not scared, so I don't know. Think I'm going to watch that, but I have I don't know if there's any really big movie I want to see right now. But I have it. Have you been reading reading about Noah Baumbach's new story, a movie that's going to be coming out in November? No, it's called Marriage Story. Okay, and Scarlett Johansson's in it, 
and um, Adam Driver. It's about a couple that are going through a divorce. I know it sounds like a very yeah, bleak yeah. subject, but it's gotten a lot of rave reviews. So I'm kind of interested. You got to in wait till November for that. No, it's going to come out November 6th, and then it's going to be coming out on Netflix a month later. Oh, so it's okay. going to be like Roma uh, in a way. I love Roma. That's but, uh, one of my favorite. By the way, David Seaton, our next guest, huge fan of It. He's got his It T-shirt. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, uh, what about Britney runs a marathon? You're not going to go I, see I that do. One? That looks pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm not like dying to see it, but. I, I know what's going to happen, kind of. But then, you know, there's a lot of movies that are like that, and you're just like, I still want to see it. It looks like it's fun. Well, Did gonna, you see it? Uh, no, I'm going to see it this weekend, and uh, tonight I'll fi- finish season two of Mind Hunters, which I urge. Oh, I heard that was very good. It's really twisted, very weird, and it's what I started watching when I could not bear another minute of the Bears game. <laughs> and so I just went over, to, and I just watched interviews with serial killers. Uh, but uh, anyway, so that's kind of been a bleak week for me. I've been between the operation and <laughs> watching uh, mine. When was your operation, by the Wednesday. way? Wednesday. I came to. I came oh here God. on Wednesday. I can't believe After right. your operation? Yes. Uh, our that's good dedication. Atiba Buchanan was here. God bless Atiba Buchanan. He was correct. my. That's correct. He was my guest, and I. I was just had painkillers. I don't even know what I said. Why did you even come in? I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know why I came. You're so in. dedicated. Because yeah, you know why I came in? Because the Sun Times had a story about Walter Sweetness Peyton, and I said to myself, Walter Peyton wouldn't miss a game because he had no surgery. I I did like Walter Payton. That's one I, thing I do like about the Bears. I, I do love. remember that. I do remember that team. I bought the Super Bowl. Me and my older sister bought the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah, remember. well, that's, so. I mean, everybody got into that. <laughs> All right, Ramana Hussein, have a great weekend. We'll you see too. you next Friday. We got David Seaton uh, sitting on deck, ready to talk national politics. This man knows uh, a lot about national politics. I know he's got a lot of Trump news and uh, updates, so we'll bring David on when we return. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL resident. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F, M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel.
Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options.com. Well, we got to get down to business. We have also started looking at our borrowing practices and making changes there to save money. For example, we will be replacing high cost debt, kind of like how homeowners refinance their mortgages, which we expect to generate $100 million in savings alone. We eliminated $1.4 billion in short-term borrowing from big banks, which is expected to save $22 million in interest and fees. We have also canceled contracts with vendors who have not delivered goods or services as promised. We will never tolerate being shortchanged in any bargain that we have struck. We are also cracking down on absenteeism and medical role abuse. It should be an obvious point that city employees are expected to work a full day for a full day's pay. Now, most city employees work hard every day to deliver for the residents of this great city, but some do not. Those employees have been able to game the system for far too long. They make a mockery of the people who come to work every day and deliver for our, our residents, and those games are over. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, September 6th is moments away. But before we get into that, we'd like to thank the following unions for sponsoring our program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring our show. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. It is Friday, September 6th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome co-host of Humanity in the Headlines, David Seaton, and it's the return of one half of the Illinois political know-it-alls, J.K., Cap attack, Jacob Kaplan. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Jacob Kaplan is the executive director of the Cook County Democratic Party. We're going to do a lot of local uh, political talk when he's here. David Seaton is a, a very knowledgeable student of national politics. We're going to talk a lot of national politics while he's here. And I may throw uh, a Dave Chappelle question. I made him listen to the Dave Chappelle uh, bit, too. It's really on my mind uh, these <laughs> days. I have to admit, I've watched it twice. I've watched it at least twice. Yeah. <laughs> 
the, the whole special? The or? whole special. Oh, okay. I've yeah. got my favorite parts, but but, but right. definitely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's and I I am. I've made this decision, D. I don't know if you were in the room when I was talking to Romana. We're gonna we did a deep dive once with uh, some uh, filmmakers, some film critics about Quentin Tarantino. Very popular bonus segment that we did on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm gonna do a deep dive on Chappelle's uh, special. Play clips. Have some comedians uh, in the room get their thoughts on it. So I think uh, that's a, a show I have down the road. Uh, before we bring David Seat, no, what you got for me, D? Well, it's funny you brought up uh, a bonus episode because. I wanted to tell everybody about our Benny J bonus interviews this weekend. Yes, every weekend at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, downloadable only live streamers, Benny J bonus interviews, all right? Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we throw up three brand new interviews for you to check out. And this weekend's lineup, well, we got lawyer Clint Krislov. Ben, tell us what about uh, yeah, what this Clint is about. Clint Krislov has uh, sued the city many times on many issues, including the parking meter deal. And, uh, you know, I, I teased him because every time he sues the city, I end up paying more money. These are class action lawsuits, David Seaton. And uh, the city, usually, if they lose, they have to pay him with my tax dollars. But it's usually because the city was up to no good, uh, like with the parking meter deal. He takes apart uh, the old parking meter deal and shows us how we're still paying for it and talks about some of the health care cuts uh, that uh, Rom tried to uh, impose on uh, municipal employees and how that affects uh, our payments as well. So if you want to understand why s there's so many bills that you have that are not like routine budget matters, you might want to check them out. He's got a lot to say about that. That's lawyer Clint Krizlov. It's going to be Saturday tomorrow at 6 a.m. for you to download on Sunday. We had a state senator in the building. The studio could have been cleaner, you know, but he's a great guy. It's state senator Robert Peters. Ben, tell everybody about this. Yeah, very interesting interview with Robert Peters. State Senator Robert Peters has Kwame Raul's old seat. And, of course, before Kwame Raul had it, it was Barack Obama's seat in Hyde Park area. And actually, it's a long, goes all the way to, uh, to the loop. Anyway, Robert Peters is of the... Uh, progressive persuasion and uh, as such he has endorsed bernie sanders and bernie sanders has na named him i think I, I forget what the exact title is but effectively the uh, the lead bernie supporter in the state of illinois and will probably be a bernie delegate at the uh, convention uh so he talks about his life he talks about state politics lots of bernie talk uh, as he explains why he is supporting bernie and it'll be interesting to talk to david seaton we'll get uh, a little later about his thoughts on bernie and joe and elizabeth and all the other candidates. Uh, so that's uh, Robert Peters talking about uh, uh, Bernie Sanders in the state of Illinois. Yeah, Robert Peters, too. His story is uh, you should definitely check that out. He's had a hell of a, a story there. Yeah. So go check that out. State Senator Robert Peters. That'll be available Sunday at 6 a.m. Then on Monday at 5 a.m. Because I know some people got to get up at ungodly hours to go to work on Monday. Lori Glenn and Juanita uh, Izarazi? Izarazi, yeah. Izarazi, yeah, uh, the Friends of the Park. Yeah, they'll be in, and uh, they're some of the people uh, who gave me a little uh, bit of a hard time for my Lori column. Uh, my column about Lori Life, or is critical about Lori Life, it's budget speech. And uh, so, I look, listen, as I always say, I say this, this show, uh, we try to, big, big tent for the de Democrat. If you're a Democrat, you're welcome on this show pretty much. And so I welcome Lori Lightfoot supporters. I'd like to hear what you have to say. Uh, we've had some, Carlos uh, Ramirez Rosa was on. He was critical of Lori. Uh, but I thought he was measured on Tuesday. Very measured. Very measured. His criticisms. So let's get Lori's people on here and to hear their defense of Lori Lightfoot and what they think she's doing and how she's doing. So we're going to be talking about city politics. It's this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews, Saturday at 6 a.m., Sunday at 6 a.m., and Monday at 5 a.m. Also, we're going to put up 
before we come back on Tuesday, a uh, weekend review uh, when we do the local news as well. It's our weekend plans here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Go check it out. And before we get to David, we got to have uh, our YouTube live stream chat is weighing in about the Bears game last night. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. We got Johnny Joe. What's happening, Johnny Joe? Johnny Joe just simply puts the Green Bay Bears snoozerama. <laughs> And yeah, Stephen weighed in. Yeah. Stephen says, ah, oh, apparently my prediction did not come true. The Chicago Bears did not play a football game against the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, he said, uh, my prediction is that they'll play a football game. Uh, you're, you were uh, absolutely correct. That was disgraceful and embarrassment. And I say that as a long-suffering Bear fan. And I have the right to say it because I'm a long-suffering Bear fan. So anyway, thank you very much, D. David Seaton, welcome back. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, David, uh, so get started. Just sort of follow on the Chappelle thing. Uh, your thoughts on David Chappelle's take on, what did, how does he spell it? Jussie, Juicy. Juicy Smollett, <laughs> the French actor. Uh, which, what was your take on it? Well, I heard you in the previous segment. That, again, in, it, within the within the African-American, you know, that everybody has their communities, uh-huh. uh, you know, where they kind of talk amongst themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, but pretty much, uh, you know, within the African-American community, when he came out with that story, everybody was kind of giving him the side eye. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah, you know, even I mean, but Dave Chappelle even does a good job. He says, you know, you'd hate to be the police officer taking that report. Like, yeah, yeah, you were walking out at two in the morning. Yeah, it's six uh, sixteen below. All right, (laughs) all right, and uh, you were going where? Subway. Sandwiches? (laughs) Sandwiches? Yeah. <laughs> when he does that sandwich thing, it cracks me up, man. That may be the funniest part. Uh, yeah, pretty unbelievable tale. Uh, although, I have to say this. A lot of people, they may have been saying it quietly among themselves, but uh, publicly, there was a lot of pressure on, on uh, black politicians and activists to stay with Jesse, you know? Correct. And... and, and- Dave Chappelle did a good job because originally people, you know, the people outside of the African-American community were saying, oh, well, you're just not supporting him because you're because he was, you know, because he was homosexual, because he was gay. And it wasn't it wasn't that. Yeah, it was. There were too many holes in the story. Yeah. You know, he's got a rope around his neck and bleach poured on him. And again, even the premise and Dave Chappelle brought this up too. even the premise that some uh, homophobic racists recognized him from the show. (laughs) empire (laughs) if you're if you're if you're you're homophobic racist you're probably not Not watching watching empire Empire. yeah no that was uh very but it was like i don't know if you saw this but years ago chris rock did a bit about uh, oj simpson and he talked about he was uh, what black people say about oj simpson when white people aren't around and it was more or less like hell yeah he did it It (laughs) anyway comics speak the truth sometimes and sometimes they go a little too far we'll be uh we'll leave dave Chappelle behind for another time all right uh donald trump he's out of out of his mind i I addressed this issue last week uh dave uh when i was talking about uh how there's so much attention uh, about Joe Biden and whether Joe Biden uh, has all his marbles. And I'm, I, Donald Trump is so outrageous that people talk, tend to talk about the outrage and act as though, uh, you know, that this is all part of a very ingenious, uh, pl- cunning strategy that he's laid out. Sometimes I think, you know, the man is just insane. Uh, and uh, so uh, let's get into Sharpie gate. Cause I have not discussed Sharpie gate. Why don't you just give people uh, a, a rundown on what the heck Sharpie gate is all about? 
Sharpie Gate is the the chronology. The uh, we have Hurricane Dorian on the on the East Coast. It's battering the Carolinas, and now it's going out to sea. It's downgraded to a, a Cat One, but it was originally when it was when it was being formed. Uh, right before it became a tornado, the National Weather Service puts out what they call this uh, spaghetti. Uh, spaghetti uh, outline or, or models, and it, but it's five days out. So you've got all these lines that are going all over, you know, everywhere that are showing the possible paths that the tornado was going to, or the hurricane was going to take. Mm-hmm. So fast forward on September 1st, September 2nd, uh, Donald Trump tweets out, uh, you know, uh, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, you know, and Alabama, you know, we, we're, we're pulling for you, you know, they're going to get, you know, hit real hard. The problem was that by the time he sent that tweet out, mm-hmm. the National Weather Service had already tightened up the, the, the forecasted, the forecasted path for uh, Hurricane Dorian. And they had already said it was going to stay on the East Coast mm-hmm. and it was going to go up the East Coast. They were predicting it was going to, you know, hit mainland Flo- uh, Florida. So, so when he when he tweeted out that thing about Alabama, the the immediate response was, "Oh, here he goes again. He's lying again." And then Trump just kept doubling down and tripling down over you know since he made he's probably done like I think at this point eleven different tweets about trying to defend point. his you know him making him including Alabama in the original in the original <laughs> projection. But the problem with it is this: yeah. it's it's either one of two things. Either because at the time that he made the predict that he sent the tweet and he included Alabama, the information that he was that it could have been based on was four days old. So that means that either he used a four day old model and hadn't paid attention to anything that was updated or he was just flat out lying or both. I guess it's three things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But again, so so uh, again, it's it. So so he had a he had a press conference in the last 48 hours where he just casually brings out this this. Uh, this cardboard, uh, you know, this picture where it had the cone of, it had the cone uh, that showed the where the where the uh, uh, the hurricane, hurricane Dorian yeah. was going, and someone took a sharpie and they drew a small little circle around that cone, uh, the the probability the cone of where the the hurricane could go, and it included like a small piece of Alabama, and he, and he holds it up like he see you know here's here it is I mean. <laughs> he, he could have just sent sent somebody down to Kinko's and got a and just had the line, you know, whatever. But again, it was obvious that someone drew a Doctor line with him. a with a yeah. sharpie. And who loves sharpies more than you know uh, President Trump. Uh, Trump? Yeah, so <laughs> Donald Trump. My my suspicion. We've been doing uh, all day long. We've been uh, putting up what people say. And then uh, what what we believe. So, you know, Jesse Smollett says he was uh, mugged by two MAGA hat wearers at 2 in the morning while he was coming back from Subway. Uh, do we believe that? Uh, well, I'm with Chappelle. No, I don't believe at it. At 2 o'clock in the morning. At uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, briefly, Ramon and I talked about Eddie Verdoliak, the former powerhouse of the Cook County Party here in uh, Cook County in the city of Chicago, Alderman, uh, now saying he is um, had a couple falls and he's too old and feeble to be sentenced. Do we believe that? Mm-hmm. So, so now uh, Donald Trump and Sharpie Gate. He says, "Oh no, you know this is the map." Uh, or did he uh, doctor the map with the Sharpie? Well, there there have been a, a several, or at least a couple of uh, people who have spoken on the on the condition of anonymity who said that Trump actually did. Wow. Make modify that map with the uh, with the Sharpie, you know, outside of the cone of, cone of uncertainty, yeah. which is a, is a federal offense. It's it's a you can you can uh, be fined and sent to jail for ninety days 
Uh, there is a federal statute that says that you cannot falsely alter, uh, you know, that that information that comes down from uh, from the national hurricane, the national weather. Uh, is that right? Uh, I missed that right. part of the story. That's the one part of the story I missed. Right. It is a, there is it a, is federal, a federal statute. Wait, anybody, if I do it, I could be charged? You can be charged, yeah. you can be fined, and you could be jailed for up to 90 days. Now, again, I don't know how it's a felony and you only get 90 days. Yeah. Right? But, I, but that is but that is the uh, the federal statute states that. Well, one more thing for the Democrats in Congress to uh, investigate with Donald Trump. Oh, hey, Donald Trump would like to weigh in here. No collusion. Oh, okay. Okay. That was months ago. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Sharpton. Uh, what is Mueller say about it that's correct okay thank you Mueller. <laughs> uh, i i uh see here's the, uh, here's the other thing the larger political point uh, i have many guests who come on this show and they say ben we should stop talking about trump we should ignore the tweets we should just concentrate on issues that uh, uh people agree with now i disagree with that pr- premise uh, i think from two points one i the man's the president of the United States. We should not ignore uh, what he's up to. I just don't buy into that at all. Exactly. Anyway, uh, and uh, and secondly, from a political standpoint, I think it's the best weapon the Democrats have coming into the November 2020 election. This is where you may disagree with me. I believe that if the Democrats prevail, it won't to a large part be because of their ideological viewpoint it because people are sick and tired of Donald Trump. And the one thing that does unite Biden supporters with Bernie supporters is they all cannot stand the presidency of Donald John Trump. What's your thoughts on this? To your point, one of the most effective things that Donald Trump was able, why, why he, he and his campaign were able to neutralize Hillary Clinton is it was, it was just death by a thousand cuts. They just every day, they just kept talking about the emails just every day. And it just whittled her down little by little by little until that narrative became the the visceral view of the low information voter. So I I do think there is some worth to keeping it out there, keeping out the because he's the one that's creating the narrative that he's a prevaricator and that he's untrustworthy. So it's 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 paramount on our side to keep that out there so that people start to form an opinion. Mm-hmm. based on just repeated evidence, uh, you know, that, that he keeps putting out there. You know, there are always his apologists who are going to say, ah, you know, it's just Trump. I mean, you know, so what he drew on a map and so what he lied about this and so what he paid <laughs> off a porn star and so what he, you know. But again, for the people who are close enough to the middle that are that are rational or, yeah. or, or I'll say more rational than his supporters, I think there's definitely some worth to, uh, to keeping that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Them. And keep it going. Uh, and, and, but, and, and he is making the headlines. So if you don't stand up to it, you're allowing Donald Trump to dictate the worldview of something. So I, I just don't buy that. That said, I, and I've tried to, I've, it's impossible because, because uh, social media is so ubiquitous and pervasive, but I do think that there would be some worth from our side, just completely removing ourselves and, and give, and give him zero responses on Twitter. When he tweets something, if no one on the left, because the people on the left are probably the majority of the, of the tweets that he gets. But if, if the left just stopped responding him, that would, that would drive him crazy and he would even be more unhinged on Twitter. So I think there would be, you know, wow, some that's an interesting to, thought. Although, okay. Can you, again, one more time, he's not just Donald Trump developer, Donald Trump, golf course owner, Donald Trump, reality TV show. He's Donald Trump president of the United States. 
So let's say when he tweets out, uh, he has a tweet to some really racist, white supremacist, uh, conspiracy theorist uh, that is spewing hate. I just don't think as a civilization we can afford to just ignore that. Do you follow what I'm saying? Agreed. I just, that normalizes abnormal behavior. He's being normalized. And, and here's the irony. When, when Barack Obama was president, people on the right would say, well, every, you know, all politicians lie. And whenever someone would say, well, when did Barack Obama lie? The one thing they would always say is, if you like your doctor, you can keep oh, him. Yeah. However, <laughs> when Barack Obama said that, he was saying that based on the premise that all of the governors in all 50 states would participate in the Affordable Care Act to drive down the prices of everybody to get them into the exchanges. So when he so when he made that statement, he was based on the, that assumption. He didn't lie. He didn't. He did, he he made he made a statement mm-hmm. that turned out not to be true because the the other things he assumed would happen didn't happen. But when Donald Trump go, uh, comes out and says, and he draws a sharpie circle on the cone <laughs> of uncertainty on a hurricane, eight days. after after the hurricane, we know that the hurricane wasn't going to hit Alabama. That's a lie. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think most people can see the distinction unless they just don't want to see the distinction. Unfortunately, his 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 uh, follower, his constituents, they don't care. Yeah. They, they know he's lying. They just don't care. All right. So uh, reacting to Donald Trump, this is something else I wanted to ask you about. Headlines in the story. Uh, I'm reading it right now. Markets take solace in news of China talks. And uh, the, the stock market went up uh, the other day when Donald Trump began. I maybe tweeting out. You talk about people reacting to Donald Trump's tweets. He tweeted out that he may be conciliatory uh, to China in tariffs talks. He's probably like by today, I've been in the studio all day. For, he, he may have already contradicted that world that stance with another tweet saying he's going to be hard on China. Right. Getting to my point that is some stability issues there. And uh, so the markets are tank. You're you, you follow the markets. You're, you're sort of a market man. Uh, please explain to me the correlation uh, between these the, the vacillation, the vacillating the market stock market uh, with Donald Trump's performance as president of the United States. And how much is one linked to the other? It's linked to one another in so much as a lot of volatility in the market is based on the psychology. It's based on what they can predict is what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having a having a predictable, uh, you know, consistent. You know, that again, that was one of the criticisms of President Obama was that uh, you know him saying him saying that uh, he was he might raise taxes. That was introducing uncertainty into the market, so people weren't hiring and they weren't spending money and they. They weren't investing in, and expanding their plant because there was too much uncertainty in the market. So, yeah, you know, it was, you know, and and you go back to the to the Bush era, you know, it was, oh, these guys are talking the economy down, you know. So a lot of that is about the psychology and perception and that if people feel that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some stability that they can project, uh, you know, one, two, five years into the market, then they'll feel more comfortable hiring or investing in their business. Uh, you know, so when Trump 
goals out there when the when the uh, when the uh, S and P or the Dow went down that 800 points, and then he's at the G7, and and right as the G7 is ending, he says, "Oh yeah, we had a call. Of, China called us last night. You know, so we're going to be having these. You know, we're going to be just to start talking. They called. Oh wait, they called us twice, right? And then Mnuchin. Oh yeah, they called. We talked to him last night. And then people say, "Oh good, maybe these tariffs, or maybe they're going to finally get a deal. Maybe these tariffs will go away. That means I don't have to revamp my entire supply chain and find other places in the world to uh, move my manufacturing. So now I don't have the, I've, I've you've removed or you're giving me the, the impression that you're removing this uncertainty if these tariffs go away because I don't have to worry about spending tens or hundreds of million dollars uh, moving to Vietnam or moving you know someplace else in Asia. So it's but that again that's always the hypocrisy of the right is that when we have a democratic president they always talk about so much uncertainty in the market and and we can't we can't you know business can't make any decisions about what they're going to do uh and trump has been nothing but yeah <laughs> uncertain yeah <laughs> you know in the marketplace as evidenced by the uh the the inverse yield curve between the uh the 10 and the the 10 and the two-year uh uh you know uh, uh u.s treasuries explain that so, uh, if you take if you if you're a long term investor and you invest, let's say you invest, uh, you know, you're investing tens of millions of dollars. But for the sake of example, we'll call it a million dollars. Okay, you invest a million dollars. Typically, a ten year U.S. Treasury mm-hmm. is going to pay a higher yield than a two year. Yeah. The idea being that if you that if you if you feel comfortable in the market, you're more comfortable locking it locking up your money for a longer term. Okay. And and most people would, would would understand this like a CD at your bank. If you go down to the bank, you can get a six month CD that might pay X. But if you get a sixty month CD, then it's going to pay you a little bit more money because you're giving the bank five years to yeah, pay they're, your money. They're allowing them to hold your money for a longer time, so you have exactly. to have an incentive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So the incentive is I'm going to pay you a little bit more interest on your money the longer you let me keep it. Okay. So that's the relationship between the 10-year and the 2-year. When when that when that uh, when the interest rates on that go upside down and now the yield on the 2-year is paying high on the higher than the 10-year, that means people are saying uh, I don't trust the economy. I don't trust you to hold my money for 10 years because th- I don't like what I'm seeing. It don't, I don't think I'm going to get the return. I'd rather lock up my money for a shorter period of time so that way in two years I can get my hands back on my money and then I can decide what to do. So, so, but, but, the, but again, that, that, that's that psychology mm-hmm. of the, 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 when that inversion happens, and I think there's only been uh, six times that it's happened since in the last 50 or 60 years where it recession didn't happen after that inversion happened. So if, wow, that's pretty frightening. Um, So if you're a money man and, and based on everything you just said, and just strictly put ideology to the side, put, put what your views on reproductive rights or what your views on climate change or what your views uh, on uh, foreign relations with North Korea as impossible as it is to me to think that anybody could just put your views <laughs> like a climate change, the destruction of the planet aside, uh, whether it's good to have a president who just blatantly lies all the time. You can't believe a word he says. Uh, 
would it be in your best interest to deviate from Trump and just elect anybody, even someone as radical as, say, Bernie Sanders, because there would be more predictability? There would be more certainty. Correct. Uh, and and just from and just from that that fact alone, the business community, you know, I mean, even the business community is coming out and saying, you know, uh, you've got uh, Walmart and some of the other large uh, big box stores that are saying uh, that are saying, you know, like they, they're raising minimum wages. Uh, you know, the, the the three big banks have all taken uh, their minimum wages to fifteen to twenty dollars an hour. You know, companies are coming out, cities have are coming out, and when the federal government isn't implementing something for clients change cities and states are doing it you've got walmart and other big box stores saying hey please don't open carry in our in our uh, in our stores and you know walmart came out the other day and they're not selling their ammunition and i'm just using those as, as little data points to say that we've gotten to the point that the distrust in the federal government is so great that now we've got to make these changes at these micro levels like state and or in the private sector because we can't trust Donald Trump, mm-hmm. because he's just that volatile and, and, and erratic and unpredictable. All right. Now, uh, so let's I'll put it to you directly. These, this business community, if they have to choose between this volatile, uh, unpredictable, uh, lying uh, con man, and everybody see, pretty much sees it that way these days, uh, or Bernie Sanders, who is an avowed democratic socialist, who says we need a revolution, which way do you think they'll go? I think at this point, they would probably go with Bernie Sanders. Um, And I'll just use two examples, uh, national health care and climate change. Businesses understand that if if we had a national health care system, most businesses are in favor of that because then that removes the burden from them. Mm-hmm. That removes the cost from for, from the, for for them for having to implement, you know, healthcare within their company. So so most large companies, uh, you know, that are above a certain size, they they would welcomely they would welcome welcomely they would welcome <laughs> national healthcare if, if for no other reason just because of the cost savings that it would represent to them. And as far as climate change is concerned, I mean. Our military has come out and said that climate change is a national security issue for the United States. It, you know, the, the models are of all the ice caps may, uh, melt, you know, you're going to have a huge distribution, you know, this maldistribution of people because you're going to lose so, so much land. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States would be, you know, very adversely impacted by that. All of the low-lying areas that are at sea level or below sea level, Florida, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and the low-lying areas in the, south, uh, in the southeast, you know, you're talking about relocating people and then globally you're going to be talking about the the the, the people being uh, displaced you're talking about uh, you know there, there's going to be a, a a lot of pressure on food production mm-hmm. so you know so the people you know the G7 <laughs> not the G, you know the well the G six plus one. It seems, yeah, I was going to say. Know, the or other, maybe two because uh, Lord knows what London, England's going on. But go ahead, finish your point. Right, but but yeah. the majority of the of the civil of, of civilized of the most civilized nations mm-hmm. uh, understand and they embrace the science behind climate change. So to your point, I I think at this point, mm-hmm. if it came down to Donald Trump and to Bernie Sanders, I think that even the business community would be forced 
to to embrace Bernie Sanders. All right, uh, Jacob Kaplan from uh, Executive Director of the Cook County Democratic Party is in the studio. We're going to bring him on a little while, uh, shift the conversation a little more to local stuff. Although, if you stick around, I'd love to hear you and Jacob talk about Joe Biden uh, and uh, his role in the uh, upcoming primary. I have to ask you this, though. Uh, I can't remember if I sent you the story or you sent me the story. I can't remember. There were so many stories swapping this morning before. Uh, the f- Donald Trump and food stamps. And from my perspective, uh, this just shows the madness of the system where we're at now. But uh, just tell folks a little bit about the latest news of Donald Trump and food stamps. The Trump administration is trying to redefine the threshold by which one is able to qualify for SNAP. So traditionally, it's mean if your income is 125% of poverty, <laughs> so somewhere around there, uh, 120, 125%. So now they're just trying to cut out that that 25%. You've got to be what we said this is poverty if you're at this number or below, your income is at this number or below, then you'll qualify for SNAP or food assistance. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is is that 1 out of 12 Americans are currently on food stamps and this modification by the Trump administration would kick off 3.6 million people. Wow. Uh, and it would kick off an additional 500,000 children who get free lunch at schools. So, I mean, but, and, and that's an interesting data point when you say uh, you're going to kick off, uh, you know, one out of 12 Americans, yeah. because if one out of 12 Americans comes up to be about 43 and a half million people who are on food stamps. But when Donald Trump was, uh, I'm sorry, when, when Barack Obama was president at the height, the, the most, uh, the highest number of people that were getting food stamps under Barack Obama was 40, between 47 and 48 million. And the right just lost their mind. They were calling him the food stamp president and we're going to put his face on the food stamp. So, you know, we've had it go down. We've had it, but according to Trump, we've had the greatest economy we've ever had in the history of the (laughs) universe. And, and, and all unemployment is lower than it's ever been, but, but you've had, uh, but you've lowered food stamp uh, usage by five, about three to 4 million people. So one out of 12 people. Now here's the interesting part of it. By by getting rid of uh, by getting rid of the these three point six million people and kicking this half million people off of food stamps, how much money do you think we're going to save? Uh, well, I I know the answer. They'll be able to balance the budget, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we're spending all this money yeah. on giving. <laughs> I know where you're going. Giving yeah. poor people, yeah. uh, you know, food to eat. No, it saves ten billion dollars over five years. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah. You just passed a tax cut for one and a half trillion dollars. The agriculture budget is one trillion dollars per year, most of which are giveaways to Big Agra, Monsanto, uh, you know, the the, the larger uh, the larger agribusinesses out there. So we have a you give a tax cut of one point five trillion. You got the the agriculture department getting a trillion dollars in their in the in the budget, but you're going to kick three point six million people off for a savings of two billion dollars yeah. a year. Yeah. Don't I mean? Don't we? I think we spend more than that. We spend more than two billion dollars a month in Afghanistan and 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 uh, and Iraq, and we've been there for nineteen years. Uh, David, this is clearly uh, a political symbolic move. 
obviously it's not for any uh, to save money and to balance a budget. Uh, the Trump administration has thrown out the window any pretense that they can claim that they're trying to balance the budget with that tax cut that went down uh, 2017. I think it's purely politics and it's purely racial politics. Very bizarre. But here's the interesting thing, and it's interesting that you say that. Uh, Trump won Wisconsin by less than 23,000 votes. Mm-hmm. By implementing this plan, he's, uh, he'll kick off uh, 118,000 residents will be kicked off of food stamps in Wisconsin. And he won uh, Michigan by about a hundred uh, by by about uh, ten thousand seven hundred and four votes by implementing this plan. One hundred and sixty five thousand people will be kicked off of uh, SNAP. And in Pennsylvania, where he won uh, Pennsylvania by forty seven thousand votes. Uh, he, yeah, he won it by 47,000 votes, but, but, but by implementing this plan, he's going to kick off over 200,000 people off of SNAP. So even, for, so even from a political, uh, saying that he's doing it for politics, this doesn't, I mean, the, the people who are being impacted are larger than the margins by which he won. Which, again, is a life lesson for anybody who's listening. If you don't listen, remember anything else that I say. Just remember this Remember this one thing. If you see somebody treating someone else wrong and, you, and, you, and that's the person you hang around, your turn's coming. Yeah, your <laughs> so, turn is coming. You know, so, yes, up until this point, people, you know, the, the majority have said, oh, I love Donald Trump because he's saying what I think and he, he's not politically correct and he's going after the moochers and the minorities and the immigrants. But, okay, yeah, the, uh, the, let me just let you know, the poor Caucasian people of Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania – your time is Your coming time is before going. the election. Right. And I guess the, uh, the if there is a political strategy to this from Donald Trump, it's that uh, many of the people who are kicked off will not vote. So it's for whatever reason. And, and let me just say this. Uh, let me just say this finally, because the the the, the face of welfare and specifically food stamps has traditionally been a brown or a black face. Yeah. Or at least that's what they've tried. You know, that's that's the perception that's out there. But there are 40 million African-Americans total in the United States. If the top 1% are considered who's rich and 72% of the 330 million people of this country are white, that means there are more poor white people then there are black people yes. in total, and we know all black people are not on food stamps. Right. Might be disproportionately higher than the majority, yeah. but again, that's an important thing. Like, think about that. There are more poor white people then there are black people in total. So again, when you start digging down into these numbers and who's going to be impacted when you when you kick 3.6 million people off of food stamps, it's not going to be 3.6 black and brown people. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of white people that are going to be hurt well, by that. Well, I really hope... Uh the people kicked off white and black vote their pocketbooks, vote their economic interests and not fall prey to some bizarre ideologies. Jacob Kaplan is on deck. We're going to bring him on the executive director of the Cook County party. We're going to switch the topic to local politics, but if David Seaton sits around after we talk some local politics, we'll get a little national political talk in with these two political junkies. We'll be right back. Read the Chicago reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago culture, food, Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Take a chill pill, man. 
It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Once a month or so, Jacob Kaplan comes in here with Danny Pogoshelsky uh, to talk politics. We call him the political know-it-alls. Uh, Pogo, we booked him. And then Mr. Big Shot, oh, you got to go to Idaho or Montana. Wedding or, yeah, some wedding thing. I don't know. He's officiating a wedding. So I said, well, we'll have Jacob come on anyway. We'll talk some uh, uh, local politics and, then, and, and uh, then spread it over to national politics before we bring Jacob on. Update time, young man. Well, like I said, I'm glad those commercials that we've done for Dan Pogoshelsky has paid off. Yeah. Uh, he's got some gigs that's good but is your phone going off again is uh, someone texting is a is a someone who like Lori lightfoot texting you again oh my god f you betty whoa uh, come on yeah they, they all really, keep saying the same thing very <laughs> vulgar messages column i wrote okay you know i was come on you think some of these people would say something different but no they're all f you benny <laughs> Boy, I really irritated him with that column. Anyway, it's uh, we got a new segment here on the program that we're about to do. Oh. I just came up with it about five minutes ago. Okay. All right. It is time for a segment that we're going to call Local Political Celebrity Birthdays. Cue the intro. There oh, we go. There we go. <laughs> Local Celebrity Birthday. We didn't even run this by me. All right, Local let's go. Local Political Celebrity Birthdays. That's right. All right. So I'm going to list a few birthdays here, and then we'll guess uh, one of them, one of their ages. How about right, that? How about we do that? All right. Celebrating a birthday today. How about former Cook County Judge Jessica Orang O'Brien? <laughs> never, I mean, yes. never say how old a woman yeah. is, okay? Uh, ever, well, ever. we're not going to guess on that one. Uh, 30. Uh, I, I have no clue. Uh, I only have the information for a few of these people. How about political data consultant Harold Moore? Celebrates a birthday. I don't think he's much over 30, if 30. Uh, well, yeah. you, got, you don't have to guess the age. I'll, I'll let you know when you guess the age. Uh, 31. Uh, let's not guess the age. I don't know what the age is. Uh, I have the age of two of these people. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> this segment sucks. All right. So, all right. So, uh, data consultant Harold Moore. How about Cook County Commissioner Bridget Degnan? She has a birthday today. Oh. And now here's where we guess, fellas. All right. <laughs> Celebrating a birthday today. Danny K. Davis. Oh, Danny Kenyatta oh. Davis, Congressman of the 7th Congressional District. Jacob? How old is Danny K. Davis? I'm going to say 76. 76. Ben Jarofsky, what say you? I'm going with 78. All right. Well, 
Ben Jarofsky. That's correct. Oh, 78 <laughs> years old. Exactly. Wow. Yep. Yeah, 1941, correct? Yep, that's You knew the birthday. That's correct. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I'm weird. Yeah. Like, I got issues, okay? Yeah, there you go. Huge dork, I <laughs> I got a lot of political hey, issues. Hey, how about Saturday? Former state rep Peter Breen celebrates oh, a birthday. Peter Don't Breen. guess the rage. <laughs> Don't tell Terry Cosgrove. Oh, boy. Cook County Commissioner Donna Miller. And also celebrating a birthday on Saturday, public, uh, public relations executive. Marine Shulman. And on Sunday, it looks like, by the way, this is the last time we're doing this segment. <laughs> Cinescape Chicago Film Studio President Alec uh, Picios uh, has a birthday on Sunday. Press uh, Governor's Deputy Press Secretary Alex Hans. Political analyst James Nolan. How about uh, Feigenholtz Chief of Staff Robert Flynn. Former State Rep Elizabeth Colson. A lot of birthdays on Sunday. And finally, we're going to guess one more. Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton. Oh, how old? Okay, Juliana Stratton. She's younger than me, that's for sure. Uh, we all know that. Uh, uh, okay, you want me to go first? Or you you go, go first. first? Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, I would say she was born. I'm going to say she was born in 1970. Wait, I'm just really winging it, which would make her uh, 49. Is that right? If, is that correct? If I my math so, correct? Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm He's saying. Going with 49, Jacob. I'm going to go 45. I'm a little yeah. bit younger there. You guys are very modest. 54 years old. Oh, wow. okay. Uh, and I think she's a proud graduate of Kenwood High School, if I'm correct. I believe you're right. I, I think it's Kenwood. I was going to say Whitney Young, but that's just because Jacob was a proud graduate of Whitney Young That's High right. School. So there you are. That was our segment, Local Political Celebrity Birthdays. Hope you enjoyed it. Last time we're doing it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob Kaplan, Executive Director of Cook County. Since he mentioned uh, Sarah Feigenholz, let's talk about that. Let's get update everybody on the locals going on. Uh, Sarah Feigenholz is state rep for from the Lakeview area, and she's being challenged. Talk about that in the Democratic primary, correct? Yeah, Sarah's been, uh, she's one of the, actually, the state reps with the most seniority now because there's been so many retirements. I think she's number two or three in the Democratic caucus. She's been a state rep from uh, the Lincoln Park area since, I want to say, 94 or 96, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there, so a long time. Uh, but, a, but a proud member of the Democratic Caucus, has a lot of accomplishments uh, in her record. And every t- every couple of years, people appear to challenge her. And this time around, we have Marty Maloney. And I blank it on the name of the other individual who's uh, challenging her. Ryan uh, Podgies, I think his name is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do not know him at all. So I don't either. Yeah. Um, but she's been challenged before, and she always wins with big numbers. So I just I think it's uh, maybe it's people that just want to get their name out there. I don't know why people are challenging her. I don't think there's anything you can really go after her on her record or her political ties or anything like that. She seems like she represents the district well, and I, I just don't think that's going to be a winnable race for anybody. Will she have the party's endorsement? Uh, well, you know, for local state representative uh, areas, uh, that's actually up to the local committeemen if they decide to endorse uh, that individual. But based on uh, past experience, I have to assume that they all will. So she will, in in effect, have the Democratic well, Party. We're taking a deep dive here, but she's a close ally of Tom Tony, the alderman of the 44th Ward. Is Tom Tony still the Democratic committeeman of the 44th Ward? And so I would assume that that district is mostly in the 44th Ward. And so I just think that she's going to get the party's nod just for that. Uh, yeah, alone. I think everybody will support her in that area. All right, the other news of the day. Iris Silverstein uh, has announced he's going to run for judge. Talk a little bit about Iris Silverstein. Yeah, so Ira, of course, was uh, is a former state senator. He uh, was the subject of some of the Me Too movement uh, accusations uh, 
uh, about a year and a half ago or maybe two years ago now. And uh, he ended up being uh, actually exonerated from those allegations, except the uh, inspector general said that he acted in a manner unbecoming of a legislator, I believe is how uh, it was phrased. So kind of, uh, you know, was disgraced in that manner. He ended up losing his primary election to Ram Vlovalam, who's the, uh, you know, the state senator of that district now. And uh, so he but he is still the Democratic committeeman of the 50th Ward in Chicago and has a lot of ties to the uh, Orthodox Jewish community in that area. So he's decided that uh, he's going to run for judge in the ninth South circuit, which is a local you know, judicial sub-circuit that includes a, a very large Jewish community and a lot of the 50th Ward. So he may have a good shot at it. We'll see. Will he get the party's endorsement? That's up to the local committeeman of that ward, one of whom is himself. So uh, <laughs> he starts out ahead in that regard, but uh, we'll, we'll see. One of <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, yeah, one of whom is himself. So yes. yeah, uh, he, I think he's got himself uh, probably going to get his own endorsement. Yeah. I would think. Uh, all right. Now you mentioned Ron Villavalam. He has been on the show, state senator and uh, good union man, SEIU member, uh, and has, le- has proposed quite a few um, le- uh, union uh, supportive legislation. He's now running for committeeman, as I understand it. Well, he's going to uh, be appointed committeeman tomorrow, probably. So Robert Murphy is the incumbent committeeman of the 39th Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Robert has tried a couple times to run for alderman and uh, lost both times. So he's decided that he's not going to run again for committeeman. All of the 50 ward committeemen are up actually this March in the primary election, all the way at the bottom of the ballot. Uh, but Robert decided that uh, he wants to, uh, you know, his organization wants to give the seat to Ron Vovalam, who represents a lot of that 39th Ward in his Senate district. So Rahm is going to be appointed this uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Uh, and it's exciting because he'll be the first ever Asian American member of the Cook County Democratic Party, as far as I can find. Is that right? Yeah. I got to think about that. Uh, and you would know because you have all the records. I don't. I'm doing it at the top of my head. Well, the records I have are a little bit scattered, so I, I don't have everything. But <laughs> yeah. from what I can gather, <laughs> it's, uh, he would be the first. Wow. he's the. F- I'm trying to go back in my memory bank to recall any Asian American committeeman you're talking about. Yeah. Committeeman. I don't think there's ever been. Yeah, one. you're right. So well, it's going to be a historic Rom. moment for the party. Yeah. And yeah. there's nobody else who's uh, thrown his or her hat in the ring? For that race, we don't know yet. I mean, he'll obviously have to run in the March primary, but we don't know. Explain uh, how it works to people uh, who've never seen a slate making, uh, or not, it's not even slate making. In this case, it's a vacancy filling session. It's quite intriguing, I'd link anyway, political theater. Talk about it. So, you know, in this case, we're talking about a vacancy in the office of committeemen. So if a committeeman decides to resign, uh, their organization, of precinct captains in that ward meets and essentially appoints who's going to be their replacement. Um, and then that person is confirmed by the full central committee, all 80 uh, ward and township committeemen in the city. Um, probably one of the other things you're referring to that's exciting is when there's one of the most important uh, aspects of a, of a committee person's job is to fill vacancies when a state rep or a senator resigns. Mm-hmm. So if your local state representative decides to resign, the committeemen who represent that, that district actually get to vote and pick who's going to replace them, the legislature. So. Yeah, we, we've had that twice. We just had as a guest yesterday, uh, and the show will be, when are we, when are we running Robert Peters? Uh, Sunday, Sunday. Right? Sunday. We had a really good interview with Robert Peters, state senator, and Bernie. Center supporter. Uh, he just talk, tells his backstory itself is fascinating. Uh, but Robert Peters was appointed by the committeeman to fill a vacancy created when Kwame Raul left the state Senate to uh, take over as attorney general. And he was a victor. Uh, that was an interesting process in and of itself. You were there that day. I morning. was there. I was there. And uh, so other people challenged and stuff. So what happens? How do they, how do they, uh, what, there's speeches made. There's speeches made and, and committeemen get to ask questions. And uh, ultimately though, what happens is after those are made, usually 
usually the committeemen go into executive session. Yeah, that's it. And they uh, they end up voting. And so everything is voted based on a weighted vote. So it's however many uh, votes the incumbent got in the last uh, election. So if Kwame Rule got 5,000 votes in the fifth ward, uh, Leslie Hairston as committee woman of the fifth ward gets to vote 5,000 votes. And so whoever gets the most number of weighted votes becomes the new uh, state senator. And it's always an exciting process. Yeah, it is a lot of wheeling and dealing. <laughs> and I remember doing an interview once uh, with Joe Barrios, who used to be the head of the party. We were talking about filling a vacancy. It was a legislative vacancy on the near west side. Uh, I cannot remember who uh, the uh, incumbent was, but I remember Joe Barrios saying that we we should uh, charge admissions to see the executive session, because that's where the real wheeling and dealing uh, happens, and people are very passionate about it. I always said, yeah, but why don't you just Make that public. I don't get what if you want to get people excited about politics, let Make them see public. some real politics. Yeah. Is there what? any chance that's ever going to happen anytime <laughs> yeah. soon? Probably not. I mean, it's up to the if the committee wanted to make it public, they could. They it's totally up to them as to whether they want to invite the public into the room for those things. But that's just not how it works. And, you know, there's people that have said and I, I believe uh, there was just an article by uh, Ted McClellan in Chicago magazine recently that said we should get rid of committeemen, that we should not allow, uh, you know, appoint appoint vacancies via these elected party people, but rather there should be special elections for every time there's a... Every time? Yeah. And that's what he basically argued. And, you know, there is a point to that. And personally, I'm a, you know, partially a, a campaign consultant, so it would be more, mean more business for me. So yeah. I'm all for more elections. But is do we really want to spend all that money on a special election just for a state representative seat for yeah. a year? I'm not sure. I, uh, so. no, I, I, I actually, uh, I haven't not read the, the full article, but uh, just sitting here right now, uh, I think there's a place for parties. I, I'm, I have to say that. Well, thank you. So, uh, yeah, there, yeah I've, been, I've been a Democrat <laughs> yeah. my whole life. Yeah. Never once strayed from the fold. A lot of good at getting me, but uh, I've been a Democrat <laughs> my whole life. And I do think there's a place for parties. And uh, I, I do not like it when when we see the, just the blatant nepotism uh, that occurs so many times where it's just like they're handing it off. And But I don't know. Having a special election every time there's a vacancy. There's vacancies all the time for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, it costs uh, a lot of money. It costs a lot of money. And uh, um, it, and you do elect, I mean, the Democratic committeemen, people may not realize it, but when you get to the bottom of your Democratic ballot, you vote for this person. So you elect them to then represent you and make their make these decisions, just yeah. like you elect legislators. Yeah. It's no. the same concept. I uh, And uh, so I, I say the, like the good government people. I think Ted uh, McClellan has gotten a little too good government there uh, <laughs> uh, on, on that one, because I just think that would be really uh, problematic uh, at some point. Although I do recall um, the knowledge like the rules that govern this process are so Byzantine. They're only an expert like you, uh, Jacob, who's like studied the book, like you and a Casper type, know everything. I remember when uh, Rahm Emanuel, follow me on this, uh, when he was decided to leave Congress yep. uh, to become chief of staff to Barack Obama, who was just becoming president back in 2008. He did not want to completely give up his seat because he still had dreams of becoming a speaker of the house. So he called, I'm not making this up, he called Rod Blagojevich, who was at that time the governor, and was trying to see if Rod would be interested in uh, filling his vacancy with somebody like uh, Forrest Claypool. He actually named Forrest Claypool, and that uh, the deal would be that at some point Forrest would st- as soon as Rahm decided to go back to Congress, Forrest would step down and Rahm would get to run. And they were entertaining this. And the fact of the matter is, 
you don't fill vacancies it's that special way. Election. It's a special election for yeah. governor. See all the rules for Congress. Yeah, for Congress. Excuse me. They, yeah, it's in the, actually in the federal constitution that uh, you, they have to be special elections if a member of Congress leaves. So. All right. Now, if you can pull this off, you will get uh, dinner at the Listener <laughs> Choice. Name all the can- all the candidates who ran to fill the spe- in the special election for Rom's vacant seat in the fifth congressional district. Go. Oh man, Sarah Feigenholz is one of them. <laughs> was Pat O'Connor one of them? Yes, he was. Uh, uh, was uh, oh god, there uh, were sorry, so he many. Was not a candidate. <laughs> sorry, all right, forget it. Yeah, the I don't know. I could do, there were so many. Uh, Can you name them all? At one point, I could because I had to write a story. Was Sarah, it Victor Forish? Was he in that one? I don't. I can't remember. Yeah. I, I, when I gave you the question, I thought you would do it, but uh, I know Mike Quigley because he uh, was he victorious. And uh, I think uh, did Cullerton. No, Cullerton ran against Rustinkowski. John Fritchie was in that race too. John Fritchie was in that race. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good. But that's about all I can remember. Yeah. I remember the debate. There was a debate at DePaul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you were there that day, no. and the stage was filled. Uh, with candidates, and I was really impressed with how quickly did in that debate. And I said, "Oh, this guy's going to win." Uh, and plus, the turnout for those things is so low. It's yeah, like, well, that that goes back to <laughs> the McClellan theory. If yeah. McClellan ran the world, there'd be like eight voters deciding who had the vacancy, yeah. as opposed to eight party people. Um, never let reporters run the world. Okay, <laughs> I, I say that as a lifelong reporter. Uh, all right, and finally, David McSweeney. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, sort of a maverick Republican uh, has announced that he's stepping down. Uh, talk a little bit about David McSweeney. Yeah, so he's a Republican uh, state representative. He was kind of uh, had some issues with his caucus leadership over the years and didn't always agree with uh, the way they were going, especially in the Rauner era. He was kind of one of the maverick uh, Republicans. And uh, he basically decided he's kind of done with it. So he's not running for reelection uh, this upcoming cycle. But he did say that he's going to be running, likely be running for a statewide office in 2022, either secretary of state. If Jesse White retires, presuming Jesse White retires, he said he did, he's going to retire. But we never know. He said that multiple times yeah. or uh, or potentially against Tammy Duckworth for U.S. Senate. Uh, and, you know, it's become tar- hard for Republicans to win statewide in Illinois, no doubt. But I do worry about it because let's say, and let's hope that uh, Trump loses in 2020, 2022 could be a not so good year for Democrats uh, nationwide, and that could include Illinois. Oh my so, God, you're already thinking ahead. About the midterm. Oh, of, yeah, that yeah. is the difference <laughs> between me and Jacob Kaplan. I'm like still, we're a year off from 2020. Hey, it's we, my job. Yeah, oh, my, he's already worried about the 2022 elections. Yeah, but think uh, about it. I mean, it could be a not so good year for Democrats. So, and you have a McSweeney who's a more moderate Republican, the type we used to be able to elect in in Illinois. Who knows? Well, when you say moderate Republican, I know. I mean, I mean, he, he endorsed Jeannie Ives. <laughs> I know. In the uh, that's all that hardly says moderate to me. And anybody running against him will bring that out. Uh, sure, sure. I, I would say this. I would call him a maverick. Maverick. He was very yeah. critical of Bruce Rauner, and I appreciated his criticism of Rauner at the time because I was very critical of Bruce Rauner. I thought he was a abysmal. Uh, governor. Uh, now, uh, what about t- taking over the, for Democrats winning the 52nd district, the one that he's uh, vacating? Uh, talk a little bit about that district. It's Cook County, isn't it? It's a tiny bit is in Cook County, oh, but tiny. it's, you know, it's, it's some in Lake County as well. It's Barrington Hills. It's some of the Barringtons, as I call them. And yeah. it's, it's a pretty, it's some pretty wealthy areas in it. So it's, it's been held by Republicans forever, but you know, anytime you have a vacancy like this and an incumbent who's leaving, I'm sure the Democrats are going to look hard at, uh, I'm sure they'll be a good challenger uh, for whoever the Republican ends up being. So it's it's a seat we could potentially win, especially you, if it's a good, I think 2020 will be a good year for Democrats everywhere in the uh, in the Collar County. Look, you're already 
already pessimistic about the post 20 you've got to get to 2020 before we uh, i know uh, hey and it'll be an open primary Uh, you think like a lot of people will just throw their hats at it oh i bet yeah Yeah. it won't be like a party will try to impose somebody in that one no i don't think so and i don't think you really can in an area like that that's so ex-urban or you know it's there's not really a party apparatus to do that even and jacob right. and i talked uh, on the way in the elevator you do not want to hear his thoughts on the 2032 election my <laughs> goodness <laughs> let's Holy not even cow. start right? 2032 yeah. do the math oh yeah oh my god it's gonna be devastating oh, yes that'll be a hundred years from uh, fdr yeah that's unbelievable hundred years hundred <laughs> when you said 2032 first thing i thought was fdr her 32 that was yeah. of course the great landslide during the great depression uh even i was not uh born uh, when that election <laughs> took place but uh, in my in my family it's a great day my mom a big new deal democrat and my dad all right uh willie wilson has said that he's going to run an independent uh campaign uh for senate uh, uh in 2020 yeah uh and your thoughts on that he's going to be up a against uh dick durbin dick durbin go ahead which uh i you know with all respect to willie i just i don't understand why he chose this race and he's also somebody that seems to never be able to figure out what he is he's run as a republican before he's run obviously for mayor with as a nonpartisan, which is a nonpartisan race he has a lot of ties to the republicans so but now he's gonna run as an independent i mean no doubt it'll cause durbin some some headaches it won't it, i would prefer i'm sure he'd prefer not to run against willie but when was the last time an independent won any statewide race. I mean, it can, well, I, technically uh, they were not independents, but if you recall before you were born, a couple of the Rushis uh, hijacked the democratic party, uh, primary primary in 1986. I want to I was say. actually born. I was one you, year old. Oh, you were one year old. Yeah. So you don't remember Aww. that. Oh, big yeah. Jacob. <laughs> uh, for 10 trivia points, name those two LaRouches. Oh God. I, I can't even, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's too I can't remember for me. either. It'll come to me later. <laughs> We're but, doing all these quizzes. We don't even know the answers to But I remember that it was... Welcome uh, to the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that Harold Washington put together the dream uh, ticket. He, they, he'd he been fighting. It. We talked about Eddie Verdolak a little earlier today. They'd been fighting each other, and uh, they put together this dream ticket. Uh, and Which included I, Ori Pachinski. Yeah, right? Ori Pachinski. And this just you talk about a rebellion of Democratic voters. They just did not want the, the, uh, the party backed candidates and they just voted for the other candidates and uh, Adlai Stevenson woke up the day after the election and realized he had two LaRouches running as his running mates for lieutenant governor I want to say secretary of state and so that's why he ran as a third party so anyway that's the pretty much it but still the third party did not win in that case yes so it's, you're absolutely correct I, I just you know people vote in general elections along party lines and they're going to hit that democratic line or that republican line they're not going to hit the independent line for the most part so plus you need a minimum of twenty five thousand signatures to run as an independent so uh, that's no joke willie wilson i am going to introduce you to somebody you probably know about already his name is michael casper uh, he's an election <laughs> law lawyer and i can almost guarantee that he will be scrutinizing uh your ballots and uh, trying to bounce you sure up. though though, though uh, of course willie will have one of the best petitioners around uh, working for him getting his signatures frank Avila, former uh, state senator uh, Ricky Hendon. Oh, Ricky Hendon! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Will Ricky support? Uh, we he supported get Willie Ricky, every time. Yeah, every so time. Far. We got to get Ricky back in the show to discuss. Yes. Is he going to support? Yeah, I thought. I know Frank Avila was uh, the election lawyer for Willie Wilson when Rom tried to bounce him up. But how could I forget? Ricky didn't mean to forget you. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I. That would be interesting. Will Ricky Hendon break from the Democrats? A lifelong Democrat. 
uh, to support Willie Wilson's third-party campaign. I think he was still kind of supporting him when Willie had that crazy run for president, U.S. president. But he was so, running as a Democrat. No, he's running, or was he running as yeah, a Democrat? Yeah, Willie Wilson okay. was running as a Democrat. That's he was right. in the Democratic primary, and he was mad at the Clintons because the Clintons bounced him off the... So it would be very, yeah, that's different. He was running as a... a in fact, Willie Wilson, uh, to set himself up for that run, I just saw this, uh, he said that he will never vote for Donald Trump again. That's okay. not, again? again. <laughs> that's not going to help you in no. the state of Illinois. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's not going to help. And you it's like Durbin in 2020. I don't think he's vulnerable. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to. Come no, on. I don't think he's vulnerable. Either. All right. Uh, and so we have breaking news before we take a break and come back and talk a little national politics with you. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, Cook County Board President, Chair of the Democratic uh, Party, as such your boss, and Lori Lightfoot, uh, Mayor of the City of Chicago. They've been having a bit of a, a feud. Uh, the Sun-Times reported today that uh, Tony had reached out to Lori, made a phone call to her, left a message on her voice machine. And as uh, in that story, Lori had not returned the call. Uh, has she subsequently since, has she returned the call? She has returned the call, yes. I was wrong, D. <laughs> I said she'd make her wait one more day. And one of these days he'll <laughs> get, get it right. right. Uh, so they actually chatted. Do you have any news to break on that? I don't know what they chatted about, but they did chat, and so I know that the call was returned. Did she hear her loud and clear? <laughs> <laughs> I presume so. Yes. Okay. okay. All right, so that's good to hear, because as I, I've been saying all day, come on, you're the two most powerful people uh, in local politics and i realize it's the bruising election it's really hard to get over these things but gotta get, work together gotta work together so i'm i'm happy to see uh that laurie returned the phone call you know perhaps yesterday she was too busy with the bears game yeah, hey, the bears game you were too right oh, i don't want to talk <laughs> oh, about man. the bears suck yes. all right i'm just like all right uh, jacob kaplan executive director of the democratic party in the studio we're talking local politics take a break come back do a little national political talk before we shut down the show be right back Come October, I'll address those challenges further in my budget speech. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Hannibal Burris. The real reason I came home is just because I was trying Traveling a lot anyway. I wasn't in New York that much, and I don't have a full-time job in New York. I work a lot, but I'm not in New York, so it was just like I don't, I don't need to be here anymore. And, I, and also, I just wanted to work on different stuff here in Chicago. So I have this center that I'm working on on the West Side, Melvina Masterminds. It's going to be arts and and then a tech program and after-school programming for uh, kids in the, in the North Austin area. So just wanted to be back. There we go. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the City, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by the fantastic people at Green Element Resale. They're located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago, and people, they're amazing. Let me tell you about Green Element Resale. I'm looking at their website right now, greenelementresale.com. Usually I just 
look at the picture of books and read you what books they have. I'm going to scroll through the rest of this uh, website and tell you what I see. Oh, there's a fan. That's a box fan. Yes, it is. Go get that box fan right now. Green Element Resale. Oh, they got board games at Green Element Resale. I see the Game of Life. Ben, you're great at the Game of Life, yes, aren't you? Game of Life. There's a song. Uh, where's the Game of Life? What is that song? R.E.M., I want to say. Oh, all right. Yeah. Cool. All right. If we could put a man on the moon, da, 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 whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's keep talking about Green Element oh, Resale, sorry, all right? Sorry. You sing and we'll get him in the door. <laughs> They got Clue. Clue's there. Oh, my goodness. That's a fantastic game. Oh, I see mattresses. It's Green Element Resale. Go to GreenElementResale.com and check out what these folks have. 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. Yeah, they're a thrift shop, but they're the only thrift shop that brings you the Ben Jarofsky show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, stop into Green Element Resale and tell them, Thank you. It's Green Element Resale, 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. They're open seven days a week, and you can find more information at GreenElementResale.com. And, fellas, it's in the air. It's football okay. season. That's right, Ben. What's that noise you make all the time? Ready, set, 2020. Ready, set, 2020. <laughs> and what's the other one? Huh. Oh, there's a blue dog? I oh, believe? blue dog, blue dog. <laughs> That's the audible. Uh, Mitch Trubitsky was not uh, calling many blue dogs last night. <laughs> he just went, huh. That's good stuff. It is, it is football season, all right, which means that the best sports reporters at the Chicago Sun-Times want to offer you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all. That's ALL, all of the stories that you love. Do not miss a game this season. Get all the big plays, scores, and stories from the Chicago Sun-Times, and for a limited time only, you could test out digital access for $1. Seriously, $1. So there's no reason to not give it a shot. Stay up to date on breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters. Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city and go deep inside City Hall with best-in-class political reporting. $1. $1, I say, for your first month. You can't do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. And speaking of Ben, welcome back to his show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Welcome back, indeed. Uh, Jacob Kaplan with me, Executive Director of the Cook County Democratic Party. We're doing a rundown, Jacob, on all the local news. Now, let's just get a state of the state, uh, where we are right now on this day with the uh, national politics. Of course, the primary in Illinois, March... 17th. 17th. St. Patrick's Day. It's St. Patrick's Day. We um, Do you think... The the Democrats will be one or two front runners by then. Are we, we we that late in the process? Yeah, we're after California and a lot of other bigger states. So I think, but I think I think it'll still be competitive. I think okay. there'll be two or three, two or three there. Yeah. So our primary will matter. I think so. All right, our primary will matter. And we're yes. going to be talk, uh, And so there, uh, let's say there's five front runners. I know there's still like 20 people running, but let's just say five. I'm going to go down the list, and you tell me what sort of their state of the of their uh, their uh, campaign is in the in illinois who's supporting that kind of thing we'll start with number five this is going uh in reverse order mayor pete from uh, south bend uh mayor pete's raised a lot of money Wait, uh, hold on hold on hold on number five there we go <laughs> yes go ahead yeah so so pete Buttigieg, of course from south bend and neighboring state he's his campaign apparatus is based here in in chicago so he's the only national campaign to be based in chicago which gives him to some degree, uh, you know, an interesting leg up here in the city, I'd say. I'm not sure that he's gotten too many local endorsements from what I've seen, but he does have some energy and, and uh, a lot of supporters uh, out there. And I think that he'll do relatively well in uh, Illinois, depending on if he's still in the race by the time we get to, you know, March 17th of uh, 2020. Yeah, well, he does come here to raise money and have uh, uh, fun. Uh 
campaign rallies. We've talked extensively about the one he had about two or three weeks ago on this show. We talked a lot about it. He went to the Harold Washington Cultural Center at uh, what is it, 47th and uh, King Drive. He gave a rally in a mostly black area. Uh, and curiously enough, almost all his audience is white. We talked a lot about that on the show. So obviously he's going to have problems on that front. He cannot win the Democratic primary for president without black support. Okay, Indeed. just can't. It's true. Do it, all right? <laughs> so he better work a little harder on that front. All right, Elizabeth Warren. I think Elizabeth number Warren. Four. Oh, sorry, number four. <laughs> I forgot it was number four, too. Uh, so Elizabeth Warren has has probably the uh, the most infrastructure here in Illinois, She or in, and in the Chicago area. She has a local political director and a political team uh, led by a good friend of mine, Steve Campbell, who was formerly with uh, John Cullerton and the uh, Illinois Senate Democrats. Um, and so they're really gearing up, trying to find people to run for delegate. She had a huge endorsement in state treasurer Michael Frerichs recently. And uh, I think she's going to rack up some more endorsements uh, in the near future. I mean, it'll be interesting to see once people declare who they're going to be a delegate for and start circulating petitions. We'll really see who's with who. But I think she has a really good shot here in uh, in Illinois. Yeah, by the way, uh, Brandon Johnson, Cook County Board Commissioner, came on the show and said he is endorsing her. And uh, we're going to have a debate on the show. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Brandon's going to be representing a surge. Brandon will be uh, speaking on her behalf, and Carlos Ramirez Rosa will be endorsing Bernie. So it'll be a lot of fun having that debate. We have to set it up. Uh, All right. uh, Kamala Harris. Number three. (laughs) Number three. Uh, So Kamala Harris, also uh, a a good contender here in Illinois, has put together uh, local infrastructure led up by uh, Mike Kreloff, who's a former, uh, actually former Democratic committeeman years ago. uh, Well, not actually years ago, recently, Northfield Township. Uh, He just left that post, uh, but worked with David Orr for years and a very active, uh, progressive activist. Um, So he's leading up uh, Kamala's effort here in Illinois and trying to find delegates. And I think she'll, you know, I think just like nationally, I think she has, uh, you know, good apparatus here in, in Illinois and, and, and a good shot at it right I now. I can't think of any uh, elected officials who've endorsed her from Illinois. Am I f- overlooking somebody? No, I don't think she has any endorsements that I've seen yet. Uh, did, except did, who did... Uh who did Danny Davis and Bobby Rush? Did they make any endorsements? <laughs> I yet? don't think they've endorsed anybody yet, but I just cannot remember. I really cannot remember. Uh, Danny K. Davis, I try to keep up with all his endorsements. He just endorsed somebody for something, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Kamala Harris is the one that I've been flirting with a lot. Uh, I like to tease. Danny Davis did endorse her. I just Oh, he did endorse her? Okay. Yes. All right. Well, You're way better than me at that. Yeah. I'm looking it up. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, I didn't look it up. I didn't know. I knew he good. endorsed somebody, Danny K. Davis. Uh, maybe we should have him come in and join that debate, representing sure. uh, Danny K. Davis, Brendan Johnson, uh, and Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Wow, that'd be yeah. a heck of a debate. Oh, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Kamala Harris been flirting. I, I, I still think she could be a force in this election. She had a setback in that second debate. Obviously, she did not do well. She stumbled on the uh, health care question, which is a pivotal question for Democrats to have to deal with. Uh, but, you know, hey, everybody stumbles. Mike Cl- yeah. uh, Bill Clinton had a lot of stumbles and falls on the way to 92. So it's She's still in the game. We'll see. Very Let's much. hear that Clinton impression you got. I love you, Dennis. You know, right. I, I love Jacob Kaplan. I remember Jacob Kaplan was at Whitney Young High School. I love Jacob Kaplan. Anyway, that's my <laughs> number two. Good. Uh, number two. Uh, all right, who do I go for number two? I'm going to just go Biden. Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe or Grandpa Joe, yeah, whatever right? it is. Uh, Joe Biden. Uh, so Joe Biden does not have as much of an infrastructure in Illinois that I've seen uh, seen yet. I think he's, of course, focused more on uh, 
Iowa right now. Uh, not doing so well there if you look at the latest polls, though. I uh, seen, what is the latest poll out of Iowa? Uh, he was not he was not in the first or second spot, if I remember correctly. I mean, he's just not uh, not catching that much traction. There was talk of them pulling out of or just focusing on uh, media there. They don't have as much of a field operation as some of the others. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in Iowa. They were kind of it almost seemed like they were looking to write that off and, and uh, manage expectations that they're going to lose it. Wow. Front runner writing off Iowa. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound so good. Yeah, it doesn't sound. But bad. Biden's still number one in the national polls. Yeah. Which and continues to be so, and he's been pretty stable there. So, and he, in Illinois, from what I've seen, it's it's the same deal. He's he's in the lead. If you look at uh, at any sort of polling we've been able to see out of Illinois, it's just he doesn't have much of an infrastructure here. So, no, any local endorsements? Uh, not that I've seen. Interestingly, there probably are, but I they haven't really been publicized. I, so. I, I did a whole bit a little while ago uh, about Joe Biden supporters in Illinois, and I was I was a friend of mine. Uh, and uh, she was talking, we were talking about the election and she's older and uh, roughly my age and uh, very concerned has that typical older baby boomer attitude about politics and electability. And she said she was for Joe Biden. And but when she said she was for Joe Biden, Jacob, she went like this. I'm for Biden. She dropped the voice. Like she was ashamed of it. I was like, sing it out to the mountaintops. Wow. That's your guy. That's your guy. And uh, that kind of sums up Joe Biden uh, with progressives, you know, in the state. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty, that speaks a lot that Joe Biden does not have elected officials on board singing his praise, uh, supporting him. At least yet. Well, at least we'll yet. See. Yeah, at least yet. Has uh, John Cullerton endorsed anybody yet, as far as I know? Not that I, I've seen. I, I haven't seen anything. And Michael Joseph Madigan, of course, is not. No. Yeah. No endorsements. Yeah, no endorsements. Joe Biden would like to weigh in here. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey. Wait, oh. What idea? <laughs> no one said any ideas. <laughs> He's <laughs> losing it. Oh, man. Right, it's Joe Biden. And finally, brrr, Bernie Sanders. Yes. Well, Bernie is you know, doing relatively well here as well and has... Some some of the local you know, Democratic Socialists have certainly endorsed him, including uh, State Senator Robert Peters, who we were talking about and who was mm-hmm. just on your show. Uh, of course, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, I believe uh, Andre Vazquez, the 40th Ward. I mean, he's going to get a lot of the Democratic Socialist uh, uh, support. Um, and, you know, he has a lot of, uh, you know, hardcore uh Leftist supporters, and I think he'll he'll do relatively well here. He did last time in the uh, in the primary in in 2016, of course, in Illinois. Uh, so I think you know he's still in the top. You have to consider him in the top five. He doesn't have much of a campaign apparatus here, but he has a lot of local supporters yeah. and endorsers. I believe Hillary won t- uh, Illinois in 2016. Am I correct? She did, but it was yeah. closer than uh, a lot than of people realize. I mean. Bur- Bernie won a lot of Chicago wards, for interest in, in uh, for instance. Is that know? right? Yeah. I guess I did know that. He, he won like the 10th Ward. And a lot of the Latino wards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he had um, uh, he had Chewy's endorsement mm-hmm. in 2016, and that helped him a lot in the uh, uh, Hispanic Ward. So if you had to be an odds maker right now, you would say the state of Illinois in the 2020 uh, presidential primary would go, at this date, who do you think is going to win it? I mean, I have to go by the polls. I think it'd be Biden if the elect were held today. But there's so much time between then and now. I yeah, mean. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, that is Jacob Kaplan, executive director, the uh, Cook County Democratic Party. We really did a deep dive today, man. We, we made Kaplan work today. Yeah, huh? I did. And I wanted to ask him something. Uh, I've just been kind of thinking about it. I know 2020 election. I want to ask you about the 2024 election. Will J.B. Pritzker run for president in 2024? The richest politician in America. Is he the richest? Yeah. He's, uh, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some Republicans. But, there's, uh, there's so many what ifs to that question. Uh, number one, 
Trump has to win again in 2020. Okay. He wouldn't run and, and, against- I, and, and I wanted to ask that too. So if Trump wins again in 2020, will it be J.B. Pritzker versus Ivanka Trump? That could very well wow. be in 2024. No but, way. But, we, we, but so if Trump wins in 2020 yeah. Yeah. and Pritzker passes the fair tax in, in 2020 yeah. and gets reelected in 2022 and is seen as turn, turning around Illinois, I could very well see him being a contender in 2024. Yeah, but there's so many what ifs. No, there's yeah, so yeah. many what ifs in that question. <laughs> and by the way, if uh, Joseph Biden is the victorious candidate, he I've seen him suggest a couple times that he only wants to be a one-termer. Everyone so, always says that. And yeah, they, I know. They, you're, they, right. They, you're right. You're <laughs> right. When you're you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> to quote uh, Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. All right. Anyway, great question, D. Uh, Jacob Kaplan, thank you so much. You re- I, like I said, we really put you to work. We, we, we did. We covered a lot of ground Next there. Next time we'll have Danny P back from his uh his Yeah, he can help right. you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll book a time uh, as soon as the show's over. Uh, David Seaton, outstanding job uh, at uh, about 2.30. Of course, it's Friday. Uh, Romana Hussein, uh, the Romana Rundown. Man, what a week it's been. I am exhausted. I'm going to go home. Hey, wait. What happened to your face? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, man, I got news for you. That joke will be around next week because I still have the bandages on. Anyway, Doctor D did a magnificent job as always. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews like this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. We live stream the show Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time, once again at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, and Facebook. Just search for at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y the letter J show or if you want to spell his last name go for it I dare you J-O-R-A V as in victory S-K-Y check out those Benny J bonus interviews download them we'll see you Tuesday